0: Tune into the Neil Prendeville show weekdays from 9am on Cork's Red FM.
1: Thought of a lot about this this morning. Harrowing trial at the, going on at the moment. Harrowing trial of uh, Deirdre Morley. It makes most of the front pages this morning and pages of coverage on the inside pages. And just listener alert on this. It is disturbing and upsetting, particularly uh, if you have children around. But uh, the case tells um, of allegations how uh, um, she's pled not guilty to the uh, crimes by or the deaths of her children by, uh, by reason of insanity. Uh, but the trial heard that the day before her three children died, she unsuccessfully tried to sedate the children uh, with, with morphine. She's 44 years old, suffered suffered from depression, bipolar disorder, and believed she had passed the mental illness on to her children. This is evidence of the Central Criminal Court. The children uh, who were, mur- she's accused of murdering, uh, were Connor McGinley, age nine, Dara McGinley, age seven, and her three-year-old daughter, Carla McGinley, um, as to say, she's pleading not guilty. The court heard that she told Gardy that, uh, I'm just reading from various newspapers this morning, that she told Gardy that she put morphine in the boys' cereal on the night of uh, January 23rd, but <clears throat> the boys spat it out when they tasted it, uh, and that she also put a Tylex tablet containing uh, paracetamol and codeine into her daughter's drink, uh, but uh, she then abandoned um, any plans, particularly for that evening. Um, but that wasn't the end of it because her eldest son apparently asked her to stop as she was suffocating him she was saying to him I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry it's just awful Um, the mayor this morning um, has um, some quotations on the court case yesterday plastic bags and brown tape was used um, to take the lives of the children Um, she herself apparently had um, been googling uh, how to make a noose uh, and also details of how to get to a particular flyover where she had planned then, after taking the lives of the children, it's alleged she had planned to uh, take her own life. She she bought a rope as well. Um, it's it's just harrowing. She left a, she left a note um, telling her husband, who was at a business meeting in Cork and returned from Cork, uh, not to go into the front room and not to go up to the bedrooms and just to instead to call uh, 911. Uh, she kept the kids out of school and things like that on the day. That they that they died. Um, I won't say any more about it than that. It's it's an awful lot more graphic than that uh, in the newspapers. She she was eventually found. Um, uh, she left her home then at four o'clock that afternoon and headed towards the flyover. And she brought bottles of medication with her, and she was very 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 sedated from whatever she had taken. She also had a, had a bottle of wine, and um, uh, she crashed her car apparently. And a, a taxi driver found her and brought her home, and then. Of course, the discovery of the children's bodies were made, and um, the da- and Dad came back from Cork, and God only knows um, um, when he walked into that house. But it's before all of the; it's in all of the newspapers this morning, uh, and uh, it's just awful. It's just so, so, so terribly awful. Uh, it dominates much of the newspapers today. There are other stories, of course, and if things weren't bad enough for Cork Airport, who, who in spite um, of very, very challenging times, were rocking ahead with passenger numbers year in, year out. They got the new terminal and passenger numbers were climbing and climbing and climbing. They were sending all sorts of uh, all sorts of records, I believe, with one hand tied behind their back, incidentally. And now, of course, COVID came along and it devastated uh, international travel. Um, and we hear now this morning uh, that uh, layoffs at Cork Airport, layoffs at Shannon. I'll come back to this a little later on, but we know that Ryanair have called it a day Certainly for the summer, autumn and, and the winter in Cork, and now Aer Lingus are pretty much looking the same. Uh, the ECHO this morning says 198 cabin crew and ground staff would be uh, laid off in Cork for two months. And on top of that, then, even when they come back, um, Aer Lingus will be looking for redundancies. Um, they're making huge losses, Aer Lingus, incidentally. They revealed a loss, according to the ECHO today, of 103 million in the first three months of 2021 alone. On top of a 361 million loss in 2020. Now, Ryanair have lost three quarters of a, of a billion in the past year. And, you know, um, Aer Lingus aren't too far behind them. So that's an interesting story with regards to Aer Lingus. Then on top of that, announcing, uh, 200 jobs at risk, um, in Shannon, because I'm not quite sure what a cabin crew base is. So I'll find out a little later on, but they have, uh, 80, maybe 90 cabin crew based in Shannon, they've been offered severance terms, um, so no matter what we look at it, job losses for sure. There are other numbers in the papers today and they include the fact that we have now hit 40% of the adult population in Ireland has received their first dose of the vaccine. Uh, and the 40 to 49 year old vax portal is now open for people in that age group uh, meanwhile we've all seen the uh, video footage and have dealt with the stories of uh, people gathering in in the city um, the vast majority of them well behaved, just going stir crazy. But you do have maggots going into town as well, uh, engaging in what's politely called antisocial behavior. Senator Jerry Buttimer makes the echo today, saying that Cork has become a no go area for many people. He says that um, we need to debate it in the Shannon. Not quite sure what difference that will make, Um, but he says uh, it's a no-go area for many people. People are feeling threatened and worried in the city centre by gangs of youths, and he's calling on the Guardian Cork not to allow the city turn into a summer of discontent. Uh, Meanwhile, uh, Chief Superintendent Barry McPolan is laying an awful lot of the uh, responsibility for the carry-on in the city on what he calls irresponsible parents, many of them who drop their children totem booze into the city. To party, Um, The whole work-life balance has completely changed uh, over the past 12 months and will, for the future, if we're to believe many of the surveys that make the papers today, with the uh, star this morning saying uh, that a resounding 95% of staff are in favour of working from home in some form on an ongoing basis. If it's a blended relationship, which is a mix of the two, I suppose it wouldn't be too bad. But if it's all working from home, I I just... I rue the day if that's exactly what's going to happen, that people will be working from a bedroom. Um, but, you know, the um, the, the cyber uh, hack on the HSE, the government now is um, asking, maybe even insisting on Russia um, to take control of this and to get it sorted within Russia that Moscow would crack down um, and shut down or arrest or do whatever uh, the crack cyber gang. You, you don't know what kind of a web is weaved actually by cyber criminals, how far up the food chain in Russia it actually goes. Meanwhile, medical and personal information about Irish patients, patients is already being shared online. It's a story from the Financial Times this morning where they're saying records offered online by hackers um, the reason that they're offering these records online is to up the pressure for the 20 million ransom. So what's up online now? Internal health service files, minutes of meetings, equipment purchase details and correspondence with patients. And that's a story from the Financial Times this morning. In other news, of course, uh, unfortunately, uh, Ireland did not qualify for the Eurovision. We didn't get out of the uh, semifinal final Uh, I think it's been a long time now since we actually managed to get out of any semi-final for the Eurovision. So no joy uh, for Leslie Roy, unfortunately, because you can't blame her. You just can't. I mean, she can sing. She sang well. Not the greatest song in the world, but she did the song proud. Um, I managed to see the Irish um, section of, of Eurovision last night, and I think that she was probably... Let down by very tight camera angles and what's with the cardboard trees. But you can't blame her. So your thoughts on your vision are welcome. Congratulations to Roy Keane, the legend that is Keno. He's become the fourth player to be inducted into the Premier League Hall of Fame. That dominates many of the sports pages this morning. And Naomi Campbell is a mammy at fifty. A baby daughter. And that's a front page of making the sun today. A beautiful little best blessing for Naomi Campbell at the age of 50. And, oh, and just finally, a story that we dealt with on the air uh, in recent times was damage to gravestones at um, the uh, graveyard in the cemetery in Ballancolic. That's before the court, so I won't say much of it, apart from the fact that a 63-year-old gravedigger has confessed to charges causing criminal damage to 16 gravestones at a cemetery in Ballancolic. Medical reports now Uh, are to be prepared of the accused. Indeed, the families of the graves and the gravestones will be given an opportunity to prepare a victim impact statement if they want to do so. The damage was two and a half grand and when Pat McSweeney was asked, you know, what, what, do you, what do you make of all of these charges against? He says, I can't argue with that, he says. So that's before the Cork court. The Neil Prenderville Show. Lines open, text 0868 104 106. Lot to do this morning, some light and shade. Uh, and the shade, of course, is, uh, you know, more bad news with regards to uh, Cork Airport and indeed Shannon, staff within uh, Aer Lingus. Um, and in the past, I have spoken uh, from time to time to one of the Aer Lingus pilots. Uh, Kieran O'Regan, and he joins me by phone again this morning just to see if we can just wade through exactly what's happening. Kieran, good morning. Good morning, Neil. Um, so, so what do we know? We know about the huge losses to Ryanair, three quarters of a million in the calendar year and closing down Cork for the foreseeable future. Now we know of nearly half a million, perhaps, and counting losses for Aer Lingus up to maybe March or April of, of this year. Devastating. On top of that, now job layoffs of your colleagues, and Aer Lingus shuttering Cork until at least November. Is that it?
2: That's correct, chap. And that's that's if everything goes to plan. And Um, if it doesn't go to plan, well, if it doesn't go to plan, if if this if this runway work uh, overruns, which it you know it may do. I mean, the weather alone may may cause it to overrun um, by weeks or or maybe months. Um, We will then miss Christmas. So, there's lost revenue, but you know, over the Christmas period, and the airline may not may may not decide to even have the base up running until maybe for maybe April next year, or kind of going into Easter time next year. Okay,
1: okay. So, so, what kind of what kind of redundancies are we looking at now?
2: Well, the, the numbers are haven't been officially announced yet. Um, our colleagues in in Shannon um, will be offered redundancy, or a base transfer to, to Dublin. Um, for Cork, there's there's talks of maybe 10 or 12 cabin crew that may be affected in terms of, uh, there might be a voluntary package announced um, for those. And the ground staff don't really know yet um, as, to what, uh, as to what exactly is going to happen. But there. the well, numbers in, in, in for the Cork podcast. are
1: 138 crew members and 60 ground staff. They will temporarily be laid off. Does that mean when they're laid off, they get no money? Correct.
2: They, they they get no money, um, and the funny thing about it is, is, they'll be laid off without pay. There's no real social welfare plan or, 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 or idea of what people are entitled to. Um, for example, if you if you're if you're a cabin crew member in in Cork, you're married, um, your husband is still working, uh, you will be means tested. So so essentially, you're. Your, your income could be completely wiped out for, for at least three months. As I said, it may, may be for longer. We've seen that with Shannon, that initially um, the employees in Shannon were told it was for three months, and now we see what, what has happened there. there. There is there is a, a concern that that may happen in Cork as well. Uh, there's no scheme or payment scheme available for, for people being left off for three months. But did, wouldn't it would not even pop? No, because, you know... <laughs> The way it's announced is it, 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 it. These layoffs are coordinated with the runway closure, not because of COVID, but essentially. But that's that. that know, like we used to call
1: it. that. We used to call that casual, casual staff in the past. They're not casual staff.
2: No, they're, they're permanent staff. They're permanent, permanently employed by Aer Lingus and based out of Cork Airport. Um, and they're now being laid off for three months because of the runway closure. Does that include your good self? Uh, We are, our situation is slightly different. We won't be flying out of Cork, um, but the decision we were told yesterday, and it may change, is that uh, pilots in Cork will be kept current. So we have to have, we have to fly to be kept current. Uh, If we're not kept current, it takes uh, quite a considerable amount of time, money to get us back yeah. To a stage where yeah. we have to fly again. Yeah. So
1: where you where you can where you can fly with twenty four hours notice kind of thing. Where are you yeah. fly are you
2: flying at the moment? I flew last Friday out of Cork to London and back. And that was my first flight this year. Um
1: And is it okay to ask you who was on board or what was on board that flight?
2: Yeah, well it was about eighty odd passengers leaving Cork to go to Heathrow and about seventy odd came back.
1: You, is, you, like, and yeah, you don't yeah, know yeah. why they're traveling, or whether they're, you know, going on holidays or business,
2: or whether they're essential. It's probably, it's probably a mixture of, of everything. It's probably essential travel, business travel, and maybe you know people visiting family.
1: Yeah, but there's only a trickle of flights out of Cork, isn't there?
2: Yeah, yeah. There's yeah. very little. You know, you know. Basically, what we would be doing this time of year, you know, what we're doing a week, we would do before eleven o'clock in the morning. You know, if you put it that into perspective,
1: I heard this morning the International Air Transport Association. Perhaps you can tell us who they are. Um, they are going to be telling the Aneroctus Committee today that quarantine measures need to be lifted. Lifted. Yeah. That to me yeah. is code for saying travel restrictions should be abandoned.
2: Yeah. Well, the government aren't are not going to go from the the very, very tight restrictions. Now, in terms of restrictions, we have the tightest restrictions in the EU, uh, travel-wise, and the government will not, th- th- there's not a hope, it doesn't matter who's telling them what, they're not going to go from 100% to zero. This will be a gradual uh, uh, unleashing of restrictions as time goes by. The government are being advised by by ourselves, um, by you know Ryanair, uh, members in, in Aer Lingus, IBEC, uh, there's a steering committee that basically presented a, an aviation recovery plan to the Minister Ryan, the Minister for Transport back in March, the 5th of March. That has been ignored. There's a report about antigen testing that has been commissioned by the Minister for Health. That has been ignored. There is an open border between the UK and Ireland and mandatory hotel quarantining is, is, is kind of pointless because of that. That's also been ignored. And the government don't seem to have, they don't have a plan. The cabinet met yesterday and decided that aviation wasn't important enough to talk about. So we're being ignored again. And we're seeing the consequences of all this. We're seeing, we're seeing, we saw it yesterday, and we continue to see it.
1: Yeah. You know, with regards to the work on the airport and work on the runway, they're saying that that will cost the economy in Cork hundreds of millions of euro in lost commerce, you know, because of the closure of the, of the runway. And then others are suggesting that it was penny-pinching by the Dublin Airport Authority to close it, that they could have kept it open, they could have even done it at night, they could have brought in lighting and everything. Do you think that this plan with regards to the runway work is good with regarding timing? And, in, you know, when we come out of a pandemic and you would think that maybe September, October, the airport would be booming. I mean, do you think the timing is right?
2: I think the timing is awful. I think I think maybe back three, four months ago where this was kind of, you know, p- petered with, it was, you'd probably say, yeah, look, it's it's, you know, it's, Probably, at that time, there was probably no chance of any international travel. Now we see the vaccine vaccines are rolling out. The, the UK are, are are really achieving a lot in terms of their vaccine. Um, vaccine and they're flying transport. again. Yeah, they're actually going yeah. on holidays. And the US, so our main our main uh, parts of the world we fly to, and I have a lot of money coming out of this country for, from to and from, is, is the US and the UK. Now these two regions are really powering forward with their vaccine uh systems now it's looking like that there will be a slight recovery in in travel or relaxation of travel maybe in july and august now for cork airport that's not going to be much good no it's it's kind of like you know
1: for years when you know we have the long summers and nothing gets done and then the first week when the kids are back to school they start digging up the roads it's kind of like that isn't
2: it yeah it is and it's it's bad timing and Look, the work has to be done and whether you do it over three months or, or you know, the, the other option is to do it over maybe 12 months but the but the, the, restrictions then on, on airlines operating in and out of Cork Airport are extended for a longer period of time. So it's kind of it's six or one half dozen of the other the work has to be done, it's been done now and there's nothing, I don't think there's anything that's going to stop it being done. The only worry about it is, is or concern about it is, is it overrunning and if it overruns and hits our Christmas period and prevents us from flying out of Cork well then there's a possibility that we will be like Erlingus Lingus would be like um, Ryanair and not return back till maybe you know April next year
1: And is there a potential that they may not come back till April?
2: There is if there is there's a big potential if, if, the, if the work's uh, overruns for sure they'll just is scrap it? any
1: plans oh, yeah. for Christmas and the new year will be quiet and they'll just decide yeah. to go back in the spring again because Rhino can be precarious with their decisions at the best of time we used to expect that of Aer Lingus but the worry now is it is the worry now that Aer Lingus will decide just to say oh, forget about Cork and forget about Shannon we'll just concentrate on Dublin
2: well that that is the plan That that, that is the plan and it's, it's you know our CEO has probably come out and said that, that, that the, the recovery will be initially centric around Dublin as a hub, um, and they'll recover Dublin and then worry about what's what's around Dublin after that. Now, again, this goes back to the argument when you look at what happened in Shannon. Will this happen, or worries, will this happen to Cork? Now, a base in Cork Airport, having airlines based in Cork Airport is essential to the region because for business particularly, and I'll give you an example. If you were to go to... If you're a businessman or woman heading to London or Amsterdam or Paris for a business meeting, you would leave first thing in the morning. Now, you can leave first thing in the morning, any morning, uh, Monday to Friday, out of Cork and be disembarking an airplane before nine o'clock in Heathrow. You jump on a train and you're into central London into an office before 10 o'clock and you, you do your business. You can then arrive back at the airport and, and you, you can jump on a plane at 2 o'clock and come home. There's your, there's your day's work done. Amazing. So that's essentially... And, and you can also leave Cork Airport at 6 o'clock in the morning and and be on your way to anywhere in the world, you know, via Amsterdam. And, and, and you can even go... If you leave half 7 in the morning uh, in the Good Times uh, or the London Heathrow, you can be on a flight out of Heathrow at about 12 o'clock, half as 12, to Perth, Australia. So... The connectivity that a base provides and the business and the tourism that it provides the region, like there's 12,000 jobs connected to Cork Airport from around the Cork region either indirectly or directly
1: So redundancies could be much higher than than the potential hundreds, in fact it could be 500, 600 within aviation perhaps and those that work in Cork Airport and then many more with ancillary businesses
2: Well, you look at b bs hotels, restaurants, you know, we bring in, I mean, I could go to work in the morning and do a, a double London pattern in the morning. And we could carry up to 600 people uh, on that shift. So we're bringing in, you know, 600 people in, into the area. And, and, and the same that evening. So Every day. Are, are, every day. It's astonishing the amount of people that we bring in and out of, in and out of this country. And if you go to Dublin, and you look at, at at flights going to the US, the, the world that were, we were bringing in, you know thousands of people, thousands of people a day, spending money, keeping businesses going, encouraging foreign direct investment, and we're looking now at you know after all this time, and I've spoken to you before about this, and I said we can't have this conversation again. The last time we spoke, and we're, here we are again because government are not listening, you know. It,
1: but they're caught in the headlights of a pandemic, aren't they, and keeping people safe.
2: They are, but you know what? There's, there's, risk, there's a risk associated with, with travel, Neil. And, and we have been, I'm actually blue in the face from saying it, like there are, there are technologies out there and systems out there that you can mitigate that risk. You, you, you're not going to, we're not going to eliminate the virus. There is nothing in the world that can actually eliminate this virus overnight. We're going to have to live with this virus and, and many other viruses to come. But what we can do is we can use the technology and systems that are available to us to mitigate that risk.
1: See, so that's me. what Willie Walsh is saying. He's your former boss, isn't he? Yeah. He said that Ireland had some of the strictest COVID measures in Europe, and Ireland will, is at risk of falling behind other economies. He's, he's saying just pick it up, guys, isn't he? Get yeah. moving.
2: And, and, and if there's anyone that knows what they're talking about, it's that gentleman. Yeah, yeah. You know, And, and government need to listen. I, I, I'm, again, I'm blue in the face from saying it. You know, even, even yesterday, you know, we heard... Leon Martin saying that, that he supported the aviation industry. That isn't could not be further from the truth. Even yesterday, the announcement for the, the job losses in Cork. There are no systems available to those people. You know, he, these people are going to be let going out without pay in in September. The kids are going to be going back to school. You know, the, the financial stress in the family is going to increase. It, it's it's awful for these people. And,
1: Sixty and ground staff, to... one hundred and thirty eight cabin crew laid off yep. until at least November. With no wages and no support,
2: nearly 200 families near in the Cork area in September will have kids going back to school, and their, their parents' income is going to be drastically affected. And there is no scheme, no government scheme uh, available for them. They, they don't know what they're entitled to. You know they, they can't get uh, claim the PUP because it's not it's not as I said. This is this was announced because of the runway closure. But, it, it, but I imagine
1: that, I imagine that some people in Cork are within Aer Lingus are married to people within Aer Lingus, aren't they?
2: Yes, yes there is, yeah, many. Yeah. There, there's 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 a great example. I mean, your total income is 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 reduced, you know, like my own my own income is down up to 70%. You know, that's an awful lot. And um and and you know th- that's that's the reality. We we have to we have just have to deal with that, but I, again the main problem here is, is is Cork Airport going to be ready for us in November? And if it's not, what happens then? It's on a knife
1: edge, my friend. It's on a knife uh, edge. It, it is. A, a, text, a text here before I let you go. I'm a cabin crew. I'm cabin crew based in Cork. It's very concerning. No pay from the company. No payment scheme set up as of yet for cabin crew from government. If this continues into Christmas and in January, where does this leave us all? Will there, will there be even a base in Cork to go back to? We should have been compensated, not left with no money at all and no future. That kind of sums it up, doesn't
2: it? It does. And I mean, you know, you have to look at Aer Lingus's point of view as well. Um, they, they have been forced into this because of lack of support, government support. You know, I don't, I believe that Aer Lingus don't really want to do this because we've, you know, they've hung on. We're the last airline in there and we've hung on, you know, it's 14 months now, Neil. And we've hung on. We haven't let anyone go, um, we're, we're trying our best. We're, we're you know, the, the staff are taking huge pay cuts to to try and help us survive this. And now it's May. You know, we're going into the summer, a second consecutive summer with no revenue. Businesses can't. I mean, I mean, you know, you talk about 360 million of a loss last year. Reiner 800 million. You know. What kind of business do you, do you know can, that can withstand losses like that year after year? It, it's impossible without support. Mm. And this is a temporary problem. But the problem the problem with this problem is if we don't get support, it's going to be a long-term problem. And it's going to be a long-term problem to 140,000 jobs in Ireland associated with, with, with uh, aviation and 12,000 of those within Cork.
1: And we are in this situation very finally, right, because of the resurfacing of a runway. It's bizarre.
2: Yeah. Yeah, it's the threat to the cockpit is is because of is because of this runway. Yeah, bizarre. correct. Yeah,
1: Kieran, thank you so much for the update. Do stay in touch, yeah. and I'll do likewise. All right. Thank you. Cheers, you. Cheers for now. Keanu Regan, Cork no. Aer Lingus Pilot. Your thoughts? Text 0868104106. Back after the break. Text the Neil
0: Brendeville Show now. 0868104106. Red FM.
1: Keep those texts coming in Cork Airport. I will return to it later. Text 0868104106. A lot of ground to cover. We all got a little excited yesterday with regards to uh, the Eurovision in Rotterdam. I played the song, Leslie Roy's Maps. Um, well, I don't think the maps had the final destination which should have been the final and uh, we have only qualified once now in the past 8 years mind you there is some positiveness even though we can't get into the finals anymore we still hold the record as Eurovision's most successful nation more wins than anybody else i didn't get to do this yesterday the Ireland Eurovision montage because i ran out of time some of the songs are uh, in in but they're actually in the Wrong order. They'd kind of jump all over the place, but going right back to to 1970. So, this is how it was when we used to get it right.
3: Someone who's getting used to being alone.
1: First, we started sending turkeys turkeys in more ways than one laura mahoney from the red fm breakfast crew is a huge eurovision fan joins me by phone laura good morning
4: in years. I'm nearly yeah. crying listening to all the times uh, and, and
1: where then did it all go wrong? I mean, oh, I played no. all of That was like seven winners and one second place. Mother of God. What, what happened?
4: No, no, Neil. I mean, we were blaming kind of block voting and stuff for a while, but we can't do that anymore because there's a jury. I think we started trying to be cool and we'd be better off now to send in like a kind of a really gas, Gashan kind of traditional song. I think we'd do better to just like stick to our roots, stick to our guns.
1: Okay, what about. Hang on, let me just play this. Of course, everybody was on tenter hooks, I, th- I, I think, hoping we would get into the final, and then this happened.
4: There's only one spot left. This is really tense. Who's coming back?
2: Oh, please let it be us this year.
4: For the grand.
2: It'll bring the nation such pleasure, such joy. The
5: tenth finalist is. Is it us? Is it us?
6: Ukraine!
0: It isn't? It's Ukraine!
3: Oh, we know. These 10 Oh
0: my heavens above.
4: My system.
0: heavens above. <laughs>
1: Isn't he unreal He's just brilliant Isn't he
4: (laughs) Poor Marty He gets us all So built up Every year And you can just You can feel it As it's slipping away As he's trying to like Hang on to a bit of hope Oh my hopes were up Neil I was on the edge Of my seat going Surely it's us It must be us And then just that That devastation Hits again
1: We're kind of used to it though Unfortunately
4: we are. We haven't been in the final in a good few years now. And I just, oh, I'm just a bit sad. I hope we get in again. Like when I was small, I used to think that it was just something we won every year. <laughs>
1: <laughs> what? So what did you make of the performance of the oh. Irish song?
4: Look, Neil, I like that they tried something new and interesting, but I just thought they did all this graphics and they had poor Leslie running in the middle of these graphics and kind of shoving them to one side and interacting with them. And I just thought it looked like a bit of a mess. And I didn't think that she was super comfortable. And then she, she had no shoes on. That was probably an artistic choice. But at the same time, I just thought, I think we're trying too hard. Did the set look, was go- that, were they
1: cardboard trees?
4: They were, I think it was a graphic There was cardboard trees She was running through a tunnel She was running through the leaves of a book at one stage It was just a bit I had never seen that arrangement The set
1: of, looked was, like The set looked like a school pantomime No disrespect <laughs> it, it, to school pantomimes
4: It did It looked like a kind of a, a transition year show Or something that the lads had drawn So them. no matter how
1: hard she tried The spectacle of Eurovision wasn't there
4: no, it wasn't, and like I wonder, would she have been better off just standing at a microphone? Like there was just so much going on. I feel like she almost got lost, and it just, or it just fell flat at the at the last minute. I kind of felt sorry for her, to be honest.
1: I think that RT don't want us to win Eurovision because they haven't got the money to put it on. <laughs>
4: Yeah, there could be a bit of that. I can't believe it was in Mill Street. Like, I was alive. Why didn't I go? I was obsessed with your vision.
1: <laughs> Mill Street would have been uh, knee of Kavanagh.
4: Yes, I made. Oh, I know I didn't go, Neil. I made my communion on the day that <laughs> Neil Kavanagh won. Oh, my God. I wouldn't have been able to head down.
1: <laughs> I love it. I love it. I love it. So, um, that's the deal now. It's all over for yet another year. She must be devastated, Leslie.
4: Yeah, I suppose it's just a bit embarrassing more than anything. But it's not over, Neil. Sorry now, I'm very dedicated to the Eurovision. I've now put all my eggs into the Ukraine's basket. I want the Ukraine to win now. I think they were ridiculous. And there was a fella on a recorder and two lads dancing with a ring light and a girl. And they beat us a recorder
1: and a ring light?
4: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> They were amazing. So they're gone through to the they're gone through to the final now, but I say it'll be hard to beat Malta. She's got an absolute belter of a song. She's younger, she's only eighteen. She's got a good story. There's a lot of excitement left in the week, Neil. There's but, Thursday and Saturday now still to go.
7: You know that
1: some countries don't have to go into the semi-final at all. All competing countries compete in one of the two semis, with the exception of the host countries. Maybe you could explain that. The big five, France, Germany, Italy, Spain and the United Kingdom, they get an automatic berth in the final.
4: Yes they do, I believe it's a financial thing I think they contribute to the staging of it but I actually think it's a disadvantage because we don't really get to see their full song until the Saturday and actually Italy and France are both hotly tipped as favourites but we won't see the full version of them till Saturday so I think they're at a slight disadvantage but they all get an automatic buy and whoever, who, whatever country wins they automatically go into the final as well And who
1: is it, forgive me now who is it picks the Irish song?
4: That is a bit of a mystery now because there used to be your song, there used to be your star, there used to be a whole process that we We, we voted
1: won. on it, didn't we?
4: Yeah, well now we don't, the song just kind of magically, it used to be on the Late Late Show as well, but now we're kind of being presented the song as a fait accompli and I'd like to go back to voting, I want to have my say, Neil.
1: Yeah, well we had maybe 12 finalists, they all performed and the public voted, because ultimately, yeah. like, it's the public will decide. the, modest, the public
4: what... picked, the public picked, like Seven absolute belters of songs to go through back in the day. Didn't but there is a jury vote still, it's still 50 50, so there's 50% the public and 50% the jury. So that's but there was a
1: jury error. involvement in the Johnny Logan wins, in the Emer Quinn, of Kavanagh, the yeah, Harrington McGettigan yeah. wins, wasn't there, Linda Martin? There
4: was yeah there was and there still is there still is a jury so that's very exciting on Saturday night because somebody could be winning the public vote and then suddenly they add in the jury's result and the whole thing swaps oh it's so exciting <laughs> 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 very dramatic I highly recommend just skipping to the voting recorded and fast forward to the voting <laughs>
1: our very own Eurovision nerd <laughs>
4: <laughs> That's me <laughs>
1: So much so That you recently I must share this On Instagram actually You dressed up As an Israeli contestant Didn't you?
4: I do She's a burst. She, um, she won Because I don't think It was for Israel that she won, she won with Was it not Israel? Israel. No I don't think so No Too controversial Neil <laughs> What was that? What was that gear? So that was last night. Myself and Sinead Quinlan, you know, from the from the den, she and myself are Eurovision best friends. So we did an Instagram quiz last night testing who was the queen of the Eurovision. I actually came out successful on that one. Thursday night, we're doing another one half an hour before the Eurovision. We're doing a cocktail making class. Sinead has gone making Linda Martinis. <laughs> 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 and I'm making Johnny Slogan's. <laughs>
1: <laughs> you need to get out in the fresh air a bit more, I think.
4: I know. We need, we need this lockdown to live.
1: All right. Uh, okay. Saturday, well.
4: We're open to suggestions for Saturday. We might do a duet or Rock and Roll Kids or something.
1: Okay. People can follow you on your own Instagram on that, I'd imagine. Have a good day. Thanks for stopping by. Thank Cheers. You, lots of texts on this. Thank you to Laura Mahoney from The Breakfast Show. Rock and Roll Kids, a classic. Uh, lots of people were voting yesterday. And that's why we played Rock and Roll Kids yesterday. It got the most votes. Although others said, Niamh Kavanagh's your vision song. Um, a lot of people said that too. Jedward uh, with lipstick got a vote or two. In your eyes, from Neil Kavanaugh, Johnny Logan's hold me now. Rock and roll kids, over and over again. There were some international votes yesterday as well in the program. Bucks Fizz, making your mind up, got in there. Uh, but um, what else here? My favorite of his designs to be the Euphoria by Loreen or Arcade by Duncan Lawrence. There was never a chance they were going to be played. But here's an interesting one. Hallelujah from Milk and Honey, won for Israel in 1979. Dustin was our best Eurovision candidate over the past decade. Somebody texted. But by and large, the vast majority were for uh, um, Charlie McGettigan and uh, Paul Harrington and their Eurovision winner. Uh, lots of calls on this, incidentally. Just some people who sat down and watched it. David! Good morning, Neil. Well, you're a big Eurovision fan. Have been for yes. many, many years. What did you make of it? I think you called...
8: I've been Eurovision 1950 65, 56 years, Neil.
1: Mother of God. Mother of
8: God. And uh, as, as I said to you in the text... And has uh, it got
1: steadily worse?
8: Oh, uh, like... Well, since, them, since all them, them countries in Russia, well, all them states from many countries, like Georgia, uh, uh, and Ukraine, and... Azerbaijan and all these in the last 10 years have come in like it's completely it's all block voting for the last 10 years or you see it when Ukraine voting for Macedonia Macedonia vote for Ukraine it's it's but like the Irish song no less I was when I sit down watching the Eurovision Neil I I I I'd give each country a max out of 10 and the first country to come on last night was Lithuania Guys, did you, say, did you actually see the Eurovision? Not
1: at all. Not if you were tearing oh, yeah. my fingernails out, I wouldn't watch it. I watched the Irish well,
8: one. I, well, I, I believe... There's always a couple of good songs, and that's the reason i watch it. And I heard Malta. I was told yesterday that Malta were probably more than likely, 99% certain they're going to win it on Saturday night. And if they don't win it, there's something wrong. Now, um there was... I gave the first song, Lithuania... 2 out of 10 that was I'm I singing in choirs nearly 50 years and I I know songs I, I, Ah those yeah those
1: but singing songs. in the choir is not a, no disrespect yeah, to choirs I mean? it's I, not I, a I, I
8: like all types of music I listen to the radio a lot and I can tell a good song from a bad song I gave it 2 out of 10 they're they qualified Ru- uh, Russia qualified but an absolutely um, ruthless song um, Azerbaijan Ukraine you, that lady spoke last about Ukraine like. Laura. Yeah. Like it was like a teenager, and about uh, after drinking ten cans of Red Bull, like she was like a, a lunatic. So, so you I think go, it's all rigged, do you? All Ireland, Ireland. No, as you said about the about the graphics for Ireland, but like it's the, when I wrote the graphics, Neil, it's, it's about it's called the Eurovision Song Contest, and the song wasn't bad, it wasn't great. But certainly, it should have been one of the top. 10.
1: But isn't, it's all about the set now, and the fireworks, and the dragons, right. and you know, catching people's eye and stuff like that. That's what Eurovision fun, is all about now.
8: And funny enough, Neil, um, Israel, which I, I no, no, you can't. I mean, sport, like in and, and politics and on music, they they shouldn't, they, it shouldn't come into it. Like, but having said that, I don't think Israel should be in the, over what what's happening in the uh, in, in Palestine. But having said that, and is the there was there
1: was there was there grief in, in recent days with regards to Israel being in Eurovision?
8: I know I, I have nothing into, I have nothing about it. Okay. And the name, the name of the Israeli, entry, need believer and is set me free. <laughs> it's ironic, <laughs>
1: isn't
8: it? Yeah. Yeah. And and then you had, she fell from Malta She was actually in Britain's Got Talent semi-final in 2018 three years ago, and she's and she's still only eighteen, and. Uh, I I called her in your text I called her a Malteser
1: Alright, okay I'm going to
8: get some more But but, but, but Neil Long ago back in the 60s We had an orchestra on stage Where Ireland had one conductor Noel Keelan He'd come on and he'd conduct the Irish song And then you'd go to a jury of experts That understood music And that's the only way it works But on Saturday the public will vote, won't they? Yeah, well, I remember about 15 years ago, Neil, I heard Lordy, the Finnish group, singing in the semi final. Yeah. And the very minute I heard this, I shot down to Cashmans and the Shattlete, the bookies, and they were 20 to 1. And I put a few pounds on them, and I went down again the next day. And they were gone down to 14 to 1, and I backed them again. And I kept backing them all for a couple of days. And I simply because uh, if I was a teenager, like, you know, mostly around Europe, it's all young people have parties and they watch Eurovision. Yeah. And who do young people vote for? When I saw this band on stage, they were like, status quo or something like that. When I saw this band, I said, they're going to win on Saturday night because young people, that's what they want to hear. That was
1: heavy metal. Okay, appreciate it, Dave. Thank you. That was heavy metal. Okay, not impressed. Quick one from Johnny Bongos. Johnny, good morning. Hello, Niall. How are you? Another man with a musical background. So your thoughts on last night?
9: Uh, last night, uh, the song was okay, Neil, the song was okay, but they'll have to go back to the old system, Neil, you know. So they'll have to go back to the old system, all oh, the songwriters in this country, with loads upon loads of songwriters in this country. They'll have to go back to the old system, you know, to pick up the song.
1: Well, we have a national song contest.
9: Yes, yeah, because at the, at the moment I think it's all sewn up you know? we don't know who's dealing with it we don't know what's happening we, like, the, there's no information giving out in the year because is. for
1: 8 years now we've been having this conversation after the semi-finals, yeah. 8 years
9: Yeah, I, I, I've been speaking to you for the last couple of years after this and I'm, I'm sounding like the same on record but that's the only way that's the only way like, you know, that, like who was running the show behind closed doors that have to let the people vote for the sermon because okay. we are paying a tele we are paying a television license.
1: I feel now. very sorry for her though because she gave it socks. She must be heartbroken. She
9: Half-broken, Neil. She was half-broken, like, you
1: know, because at the, at the end, she was crying at the end, Neil. Like, you yeah, know. She was
9: crying she with joy.
1: With, uh, with she was joy. Very emotional, like, you yeah, know. Yeah, yeah. You well, know,
9: very well, emotional. Like. Yeah. And it's, just, it's very tough, like, but no, no no, disrespect to the girl, or no disrespect to the, uh, to the production team. But, Neil, the country is full of songwriters like, you know. Well, I know we're going to win it every year, but we'll, we'll get it to the final, at least. At least get into the final, all right. Exactly, okay. Neil. You don't have to do something because, like, oh, some of the television shows should take it all, you know, because... At the moment, Nile is a slower shop. At the moment, there's no information no, whatsoever. None whatsoever is a slower shop. And that will have been taught about behind the scenes or anything. All so. right, Johnny,
1: thanks as always. Have yourself a good day. Text on the Eurovision if you so choose. Your thoughts are welcome. Text 0868 104 Back after 10.
8: Hey, it's Killian. Join me Sundays from 10 for loads of music, a bit of chat, and my. mildly interesting, interesting facts of the weekend. It's the Sunday 10 to 2 show with Killian on Corks Red FM.
0: Get it off your chest.
8: Call Neil (laughs) Prenderville now.
0: 1850-104-106.
1: Red FM. For the semi final last night, Laura from The Breakfast Show dressed up as Conchita Wurst. Uh, and I mentioned that Conchita Wurst was the Israeli uh, contestant. It was actually the Austrian contestant. So it tells you how up to date I am across Eurovision. Back in 2014, Conchita Wurst, drag queen, um, uh, represented Austria. And she did a damn good impersonation and dress up on her own social media platforms last night. God knows what she's going to do on Saturday. Watch this space. Mind you, there was one question asked there about Eurovision as to how much does the host broadcaster have to divvy up and whether or not uh, RT really don't have the appetite for picking up the tab uh, for Eurovision, considering they're in the hole financially uh, as it is. But um, there was an article that the lads gave me this morning saying that uh, the host broadcaster is generally expected to contribute between 10 and 20 million euro, depending on circumstances and their resources. So I don't know what the resources are like at RT, but that's the kind of money apparently you have to divvy up. They say that Israel, uh, which uh, hosted the Eurovision a a couple of years back, I believe, was it? Was it 2019 in Tel Aviv? It cost them 29 million euro. I think it's somewhat mortifying, though. Uh, Isn't it kind of mortifying to be praying for the last spot for a semi, in a semi-final place? That's kind of mortifying. Anyway, it's amazing. People just love Eurovision and I guess are disappointed when we don't get through. Uh, Tracy's standing by. Annette as well. First up, John.
10: Hello, good morning. Of course, if it wasn't on
1: television at all, I love your idea. If Eurovision was radio, the set wouldn't matter.
10: Exactly. It's the Eurovision stage competition at present. (laughs) I mean... If, if it's the song that matters, we just need to hear the song. But I'd like to make two other points. Do you know when people complain about the fact that um, certain countries vote for their neighbours? Yeah. And they say, oh, Finland always vote for Sweden, and the Ukraine will always vote for Russia. But very often the reason is that's the type of music that they're most exposed to in their everyday lives. I mean, we react in the same way to the UK songs. That there's nothing sinister in it, they just can relate to the music. I think it's a cultural thing only, yeah. And my final point is... Why can't they designate a central location and hold the competition in the same place every year could get rid of all that expenses and every country then would have an even chance of winning it. They wouldn't have to worry about the cost of staging next year's competition. It's a simple, it's not rocket science, like it's just simple economics, you know. But if
1: there's a formula to it and it seems to be completely over-the-top productions, why don't we just get on board that?
10: Well, I suppose, you know... We, do we not have the money, is it? Oh, but well, you know, there was a condition that after are in a the present, they're the strapped for cash, completely like. They're talking about cutting salaries and everything. They're hardly in a position to stage an extravaganza, you know. Mind you, I, I feel the same about um, the Olympic Games. I feel they should be held every four years in Greece, and that would uh, cut out the cost then of... Uh, post
1: The Olympics are amazing because countries that put on the Olympics build huge Olympic stadiums and Olympic yeah. villages that are abandoned yeah. by and large after the Olympic yeah, Games.
10: Exactly, that's the point I'm making, yeah. Whereas if you had them in the same place every year, they would be the cost of maintenance would be minimal then and they'd
1: be used more often, you know? Nice one. Thanks it's for all that. Appreciate it, John. Stay in touch. Actually, years back, I don't know, I think I was at a broadcasting conference or something in, in Athens and I took the train out to the Olympic complex in Athens and f- believe me when I tell you, by the time the train, I think it was the last stop, by the time the train got there, um, you know, the uh, environment got more and more decrepit and uh, abandoned and when we got to the train station that was train station for the olympic village it was like tumbleweed rolling through it uh, and everything was abandoned this massive huge complex with numerous big stadiums uh, hippodromes and helodromes and stadiums and racetracks and enormous swimming pools all sorts of stuff, completely abandoned just sitting there Uh, like a tomb like uh, it was just unbelievable and that was years back and that's what happens a lot of the time after olympics leave town oh can i just say um please wish my wife wendy a very happy belated 50th birthday from all of her family we love her very much and we're completely we'd be completely lost without her well mind her then look after her 50 years young uh, today so happy birthday to wendy from all the family including malcolm stoke's the postman so uh, happy to wish you well lots more texts and emails and different topics of conversation just on on Eurovision mind you um Annette
11: good morning Neil how are I'm you I'm
1: between two minds as to whether to play the song or to just park it and move on
11: Well I think the song itself was quite good you know I mean she did a performance on the late late show a couple of weeks ago and it was really really good it was the production of it last night that was terrible Yeah
12: it really took me I mean
11: months, she yeah. was she was running and There was no need for it. Do you know what I mean? It it gave, it it meant nothing. The production, because you could only see this tiny little thing going on in front of you, as opposed to like an overall production, it just, it meant nothing. It gave nothing to the song.
1: It looked to me like until near the end when the camera panned way back and you could see the whole stage. But other than that, it looked like as if it was recorded in a production studio.
11: Absolutely. And to be honest with you, it looked like it was children recorded it as opposed to uh, professionals, because it was just so badly done. Um, and I don't know, is that production, That this is what I'd love to know, is that production done by, like we'd said the RTE side of the Eurovision, or is it done by the host country, wherever uh, they are? Because I don't know. I don't that production was terrible, you know, and it really, it, it put her off. You could see that. And then what was the delay before she went on? What happened there? All that put her off as well, I think, you know. I mean, it would put anybody off with such a massive stage, with such a massive audience, Glo- you know, globally. I mean, not necessarily in the stadium, but like such a massive audience, and like there was this delay, and then you know she had to run around the stage while singing. It just completely put her off. I mean, she is a professional; she can sing. She There's must no be absolutely.
1: You'd be devastated, wouldn't she?
11: As a she performer? must be absolutely devastated because I mean, this is her second time. Go- you know, she missed out last year, like. Yeah. But I mean, yeah. you know, she said she said we'd say nearly three years of this. All you know, accumulating in last night, and just to be you know wiped away, have to be devastating. It so who does, we, who you
1: know. are we supporting now? Is it the UK or is it Malta?
11: Uh, Ma- well, for me, it's Malta. I thought Malta were outstanding last night, and, and I'd love to see them win because they've never won before. You know, and that would be my thing. It's the fact like they haven't won before. I'd love to see a new country winning. All right, okay. and then you see, it's very important that nobody beats our seven in a row. You know what I mean? Our seven yeah. titles that we have. Yeah. And Sweden are only one away.
1: So oh, really? The so they're just Sweden. chomping at the bit to pass they're us out. Chomping
11: at, them. at the bit, you see, Neil. Yeah, I see. I'm a bit of a Eurovision buff now. I love. Are they it. are six, is it? they have six and we do so we don't want them getting
1: started. and you know that ABBA are reforming I wonder would there be a threat that ABBA would come back and do Eurovision for would Sweden again good god
11: really would, would you be bothered after <laughs> so many years <laughs> <laughs> alright I think okay. ABBA have done well enough they don't need to go back to Eurovision
1: <laughs> well when I say they're reforming they're releasing a single as to whether mm. that will lead to a tour or concerts I don't know
11: so what age are all of them now though are they they're late 60s are they
1: they'd, be, they'd be in their 70s now so they would
11: one day. I would think would they so. be like, they're hardly going to go on tour at 70 plus, are they?
1: Fleetwood Mac do.
11: Although haven't said
1: that now, today did. I must admit, but probably first in line to buy a ticket. <laughs> 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 Cheers, Ed. Take care. All the best. Cheers. Um, with regards to Paul Trevo's proposal that uh, pubs and restaurants sh- should all be allowed to open on June second, along with hotels, that we pitched that to all of the Cork TDs, and uh, we got a few responses yesterday. And most of them were two Sinn Féin responses, which was the same response. Obviously, it came from head office, um, from uh, head office, and was sent to. Uh, two Sinn Fein TDs on Lee Side, and they sent me the same response. Um, and I mentioned that on air. One was from uh, Donica O'Leary, and the other uh, was from Pat Buckley, but it was the, the very same wording. With regards to Donica and Pat's comments from Sinn Fein, is not better to have a party line uh, rather than receiving conflicting drip feeding information? Uh, from the government like we do. Stephen Donnelly saying one thing, Leo Varadkar saying something else, and Micheál Martin saying yet another. Is it a surprise that the, these TDs in Sinn Féin might have talked to each other and agreed an approach to answer so as not to send mixed messages? Just remember, the only TD I see doing any work for Cork people in my constituency is Donegal O'Leary. Let's not forget, he topped the vote in Cork South Central. He was first to be elected. The Cork people did not want Micheál Martin. Mihal told us no he would not go into government with Fine Gael, but he did. So the fact that Sinn Fein gave a good response and talked to each other on the matter, albeit a party statement, it was still a courteous response. You did not receive anything from the other three TDs, the ministers who were elected in Cork South Central, did you? I believe they were rec- they were elected on the fifth, sixth, and s- fourth, fifth, and sixth counts. You're absolutely right, I can't disagree with any of your numbers Um, I was asking the TDs for their own personal opinions however not the opinions of the party Uh, I did get one from Mick Barry though and it came in overnight he says, I am not in favour of the proposal of Paul Travaux that all restaurants and pubs should be allowed to open indoors on the 2nd of June Uh, I would love to see the full reopening of the restaurant sector myself he says, the thought of a pizza and a glass of gin in my favourite Italian restaurant is something that is very appealing to me after lockdown times. I'm in favour of reopening the restaurant and bars as soon as possible when it is safe. He says the premature opening of indoor dining was the big factor in the spike in the run-up to Christmas. Politicians weren't strong enough to stand up to the lobbying groups in the restaurant industry um, and they weren't able to stand up to the popular mood We must not make the same mistake again. Indoor dining is particularly dangerous when it comes to spreading the disease. So I think we should go with public health advice. Read the restaurant sector and the bars. That from McBarry. So he's not in favour of it. Uh, He says that we should uh, go with public health advice. Um, I wonder would anybody give uh, McBarry advice that a glass of gin just just does not go with pizza. I mean, really. Pizza, you need wine, don't you? Red wine or beer glass of gin and pizza. That's a new one on me. But thanks for the response all the same. I appreciate it. Um, one or two, two shout-outs actually as well for fear that I run out of time and, uh, and actually I do them after the break. Hang in, they're back after these. The Neil Prenderville Show on Twitter. At Neil Red FM, Beth says there's absolutely nothing wrong with pizza and gin. They're a great combination. I just would have thought it would have been a severe or a bit strong. You might have it before a meal or maybe after it, but there you go. Each to his own. Each to his own. Anyway, a couple of shout-outs. Hi team, we've been we have reopened Jerry's Salon under the new name The Studio at Jerry's. We opened first last December. We wanted to email you to say if there's any deserving case that you were contacted about or need any help in the future, we'd be delighted if you'd consider us. We're always on a hand to reach out and help. Kind regards, says Katie and the team at the studio at Jerry's. Thank you so much for that. Absolutely. I will bear that in mind and file it away. And you never know, we might come calling with somebody that might need your intervention. Would you please give a mention on your show and keep me anonymous? I just wanted to give a mention to the five or six firemen who came to the aid of an elderly man over the weekend. I was walking home from work Sunday night at the opera house where I saw the fire engine stopped in the middle of the road. The firemen stopped all the traffic to help the old man to cross the road. They then headed off again into the sunset. I don't know if the man took a fall or not, but fair play to these men who stopped what they were doing, helped him across the road, and off they went again. Hats off. Great to see it. Thanks for sharing that. I love sharing those stories. Can you please thank the taxi driver that helped us yesterday, stopped and gave us plastic bags after our pennies bags melted in the rain? Penny's bags melt in the rain. And our haul of goodies went all over the road. It was about 8.30 last night on the side street by Dunn Stores on Patrick Street. Whoever that taxi driver was, D wants to say thank you. So that's great. Massive response to scams yesterday and also a super response to people sending the wrong texts. I'm happy to say I've taken delivery of, I think, an extra 10, is it? An extra 10 large pizza vouchers from Oak Fire Pizza very good to us and we will be distributing those to the best, best texts and best calls uh, hopefully we'll get it finished today it really will depend on the amount of calls and texts we're getting out of. we're talking about you sending a text to the wrong person and there's some mortifying stories both by text and by call um, what's this here I've got another clip here of Ireland winning the most exciting way possible it's the moment that Niamh Kavanaugh won in Mill Street the most exciting end to a contest going into the last set of results both the UK and Ireland could win, and it all depended on who got the twelve points. Uh, this is Terry Wogan's commentary for the BBC. So excuse the use the excuse the use of the word "us" uh, when uh, Terry Wogan is referring to uh, the winners, whether UK or Ireland, in the commentary. Have a listen to this. If Malta, up.
12: thank you very much, give
1: us the twelve. No, and give Ireland the one. It's a draw.
10: St. Julian's Malta calling. I think Good they evening. did this deliberately.
12: We're this is the cliffhanger. Closest one for years.
6: The
8: votes of the Maltese
0: jury. Greece, six points. Greece, the six points. fingernails in this
1: crowd have been chewed to the quick.
0: C six points.
8: Italy,
6: seven points.
0: Italy, seven points. Italy, seven points.
6: Italy, seven points. Spain.
11: 8 points Spain
0: oh my
3: 8
1: god. points Oh my god We've got right. two Indian. more sets of points We've to go. Points. Who's going to get the 10? Who's <laughs> going to get it? Luxembourg Luxembourg <laughs> Oh my god
0: Luxembourg 10 <laughs> points Luxembourg
7: D 1
6: Okay, okay And finally
7: Ireland oh, That's it It could have gone to us It could have gone to the UK It went to Ireland If the
0: 12 points had gone to the UK, the UK would have won by one point. Exactly
1: the same result as last year. Ireland in first place, the United Kingdom in second place. He sounds very happy about that, doesn't he? Not. I wonder how Terry Wogan really felt, though, being an Irishman and being from County Limerick but having to wear the other coat, if you like. But that was Mill Street back in the day. Will we ever have those days again? Who knows? OK, to uh, to text. Let's get stuck into calls and uh, drive on. Helen, standing up, standing by. Brian's up first. Brian! Be <laughs> I love this. This certainly is the running for a pizza. Go on.
7: I am definitely getting the feet out of this. <laughs> so basically, I was saying I said, to Brenda yesterday, so my old man used to go for pints, you know, with his buddies. He had a regular thing go on every week or every two weeks or whatever, and they'd meet in the sextants and it was open, you know? The sextant pub, yeah. Yeah, so that was the kind of haunt. He used to go in for, again, like, neither of them could drink soup, so they'd go in for their four or five pints in there early and come home, and then he'd be annoying... My mother when she's making his dinner for him and you know, this, that and the other. <laughs> so anyway, he kind of he, thought he was a gas man, he's always text his buddy. I'll I'll even vote anonymous now in case he comes back to bite me and um <laughs> he's texting here saying, you know, he, thought he was the gas man saying, he's text his buddy saying, Sex at four question mark. <laughs> six at four, Sex at four question mark. So like four o'clock in the second and then he thought he was a gas man saying, Sex at four and he'd be showing my mother this and she'd be kind of saying, Jesus Christ, this fella is he's gone to help at this stage. So anyway he was kind of, he got no text back off his buddy after a while, and he realised he got another text back off his sister of his older buddy. And his sister, the, the other buddy's sister, happened to be a nun, <laughs> and she was say she was mortified. It was you know it's not even going there. She literally couldn't get over it. And then he nearly died because he was so apologetic. He wasn't—he wasn't so funny anymore after that. Like you know, but it's still a kind of a famous story in our family. That like, he you know, sent the text sex a at
1: four and. to a nun. To a
7: nun, and that's a definite gospel true story. No <laughs> she, she didn't respond to it, no? <laughs> oh, she did. I think I think she said something like, oh, I think you're the wrong person here. And <laughs> he, he was like, oh, my God. Like, never mind someone else. Like, an elderly <laughs> woman, number one. But a nun, you know, so, yeah. He you're making that before, up, yeah. surely. I, I swear to God, I'm not making it up. <laughs> when, I, when I see you next time on the street, Neil, I'll say it, I'll say it yeah, it's a, it's a true story. <laughs> that is mortifying. Absolutely mortifying. I, when I when I heard about it yesterday, I said I have one to top it all. Like, that you know, beats because,
1: that but- beats sending a woman sending a sexy text to the sun swimming coach, doesn't it? and it beats oh, a sexy text tex- like there's, there's,
7: there's no real combat that because even even after she would have met him on the streets and stuff she probably would have thought he's a bit of a pervert like, you know, so that I makes it even better it might no be amount of know, explaining
1: uh, would get him out of there listen I think you go straight into the I win a pizza category well done, so, yeah. <laughs> well done. thank you take care Brian take care anybody top that Helen good morning
5: good morning mate. how are you
1: <laughs> we can all but try what have you got for me
5: <laughs> oh, my son John was an awful prankster He was always pranking his brothers And he was, uh, borrowed my phone off me one day And he said, Mum, I just want to send a text to David Dave, we called him So he I gave him the phone and that was fine He gave it back and about five minutes later my phone rang And it was from uh, Dave, a taxi driver that I used to use at the time <laughs> And uh, Dave said to me, he said, hello, how are you? I said, oh, I'm good, I'm, I'm fine, how are you? He said, "Uh, I'm good. He said, "Um, uh, I see you're thinking of me. I said, "Um, thinking of you. I said, no, Dave. I said, "Um, I won't need taxes tonight. He was a regular. now he was a very good, very good man. So he said, "Um, oh, from the text you sent me. He said, I thought you were thinking of me. So I said, God. I said, I'm sorry, Dave. I didn't text you at all. With that, and he said, Have a look at your phone. So I hung up and I had a look at my phone. Had my son text his brother Dave, How's your (laughs) Willy? and sent it to Dave, the taxi driver, by mistake. From your phone? From my phone. So I uh, I said John God, for God's sake I said What did you do He said I sent it to Dave I said You didn't You sent it to Dave D I said God I rang Dave I rang him back What did Dave you Dave say home. I, I Sorry, said I have
1: so no tired. interest In your Willie."
5: <laughs> <laughs> I said That was my son Messing with my phone And he said "A mistake He's messing with his brother I tell him hey, Yeah I, but, I,
1: but Did I, Dave the taxi driver Believe you though
5: He did, I think he did, because we actually knew each other well, you know, we were, he was a regular taxi driver for the job. Oh, for God's sake.
1: So you met him subsequent to that, did you?
5: I did, I did. He did all was well, but I couldn't look him in the eye for a long time.
1: No disrespect to him now, but I kind of, from the story you told me, he sounded kind of half-interested, didn't he?
5: (laughs) Maybe he was, maybe he was. I that, the day, I was in bed.
1: Let that be a compliment to you though.
5: <laughs> <laughs> I take it as a compliment. <laughs> this was
1: Hang in there. Let's see what happens throughout the course of the morning. That's a super, super one though. It's right up there without a doubt. Well done. Well done. <laughs> Thank you. Thanks Thank for that. You. A lot of texts as enjoy. well. Um that about three years ago we had bad weather. The boss at work texted me to say the factory would stay closed, so I had the day off. My wife had just made it into work in the same place, so I teased her that I had the day off. I said, sweet, I'm off. Even if they didn't close the factory, I said, I was going to tell them that I was snowed in anyway. Screw that for a bag of chips. That was the text. I get a text back from my boss saying, you'd be lucky to get a bag of chips from this place. Ha ha. Sent the text to the boss. Needless to say, we had the same feeling about the company we worked for, me and my boss. Thank God I got along with the boss and he was as disgruntled about the company as I was at the time. You were lucky in that regard. My aunt was new to Facebook, decided to send me a PM, private message on Messenger, of a Christmas gift she received from her sister. The message was a photo of the outfit and the caption was, Look at the state of the outfit blank sent me. Where the F did she get that effing skip the state of it? But what my aunt didn't realise is that she put it up as a Facebook post and not a private message. Um, This part of the story is even better. It was up 20 minutes and I saw it so I rang her to tell her it was public. She was hysterical crying down the phone to me as she didn't know how to delete it off Facebook So when I finally managed to contain myself from the laughing, I went through it with her and told her how to delete it. To this day, we actually don't know if the sister or any of her kids saw the message. Well, if there was a frosty reception um, or if she passed her and blanked her on the street, she saw it. If there wasn't, she probably didn't. A friend of mine stays overnight with his elderly mum who has dementia. She's an HSE carer who calls to her every morning. My friend had just started a new relationship and his head was in the clouds. Uh, He was woken up by a text early in the morning asking, Are you at your mum's? He was quite flattered that his new girlfriend, who was showing signs of possessiveness by checking up on him, he was flattered with that. Uh, She went on to say, I have a cold. Can you do without me today? He thought she was being flirty. So he said, I'll flirt back with her. Texted back, I don't know if I can do without you. You have started a fire in my loins. He had just sent it when he realized it was his mum's HSE carer who had texted him and not his new girlfriend. Same name. This is Don. <laughs> and just one final one. I was this is amazing. I bet you more people have situations like this. I was sharing a house years ago with a girl while I was in college. You know how it is. You'd be trying to save money. So while I was washing the clothes in bulk at nighttime, just the once, hanging them out to dry and all that, she was throwing the odd piece of clothing into the wash and the dry, walking around in pajamas and shorts. I got sick of the bills. So I sent a text to my cousin, having a bit of a rant. It went along the lines of, F's sake, she's walking around with skimpy clothes, heat on all night in the rooms, knickers in the dryer on their own in the middle of the day, just back from holidays, talking about going off again and expecting me to pay half the electricity bill? Lo and behold, she had the same name as my cousin. And I sent the text to her by mistake. All I heard after the text was sent was the thumping down the stairs, the whipping out of the knickers from the hairdryer and thumping back upstairs. We had all pictured no sound for the entire day. I went off to the college library the next morning. When I arrived home later, there was a note with the bill, her share, plus some extra money covering the drying of the knickers. No more, no more was said and the house share worked out very well. After that. Well, I think I and perhaps you were quite glad that you sent the text because everything worked out in the end. Meanwhile, Claire, good morning.
3: Hi, uh, how are
1: you? Okay, a house share in college. Yeah, yeah. 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 What what was it what was it like when, you know, you came back and saw the money, the bill and everything sorted?
3: It was very funny, to be honest. Um, yeah, I was delighted to, to get a bit extra, I suppose. Um,
1: was it really it, just I one guess. pair of knickers in the washing machine?
3: Yeah, well, very, very few items would go on every now and again. Like
1: <laughs> she had, yeah. she had no comprehension of how much but, that was costing. Like.
3: I guess not, no, it didn't seem to bother her, um, and when you're when you're in college and you're trying to save everybody, I suppose, um, yeah, you look at everywhere you can save.
1: But it was amazing how she reacted so nicely about it, okay, well, yeah, yeah,
3: it was, like, the minute I had the text sent, I was like, oh, mother of God. What's that feeling know? like? Because there. you can't get it back horrific <laughs> it was horrific I was like we're going to stand off here now in the living room but um, no like that I could hear the bedroom door open and she stormed down the stairs into the utility room with the stuff out of the dryer <laughs> and uh, back upstairs I was like okay we won't be having an argument here now <laughs> over this that's fair enough it was never mentioned um, was it afterwards um, and it was never mentioned afterwards no and we'd great house share got on great um, yeah it was a good old crack after yeah
1: <laughs> did you do separate washings and separate dryings
3: Ah, yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: For fear of confusing things, is it?
3: I guess not. I suppose we were just two independent women and I did mine. She did her own, yeah.
1: And did you stay together for long after that?
3: Oh, yeah, we were a few months in the house together after that, yeah.
1: Yeah. Fantastic. Great story. I know. Would you be <laughs> in favour of a delete button then? In tweet, uh, for, 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 well, you can with WhatsApp. Well, yeah, I say was text, laughing
3: there at that one about the, the Facebook post. I said that lady would definitely want to pay. The, what's, what's the... There's a, there's, a, there's a new thing out there. I heard it on you. Well, I suppose it's on Twitter it would be... Euro a month.
1: Yeah, 2.99. <laughs> on, Euro, on Twitter it probably would be something like a detweet button. But um,
3: Yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: Because I, I can imagine the panic. I've had that panic if, even if you put something up and it's spelt wrong, you know?
3: Yeah, yeah.
1: Do you know what I mean? Like, and, and you, uh,
3: it, Yeah, yeah, yeah. I know. It, like, it was, I suppose, in the moment, yeah, it was like two second heart attack. But then it was like, grand, she's gone back upstairs. We'd be saying
1: nothing about that. Like, I do know people <laughs> who have put up photographs on, on Instagram and what have you, thinking they were sending them private and they were actually public. and They went to bed that night not knowing it. I mean, it must have been yeah, mortifying for them. You know, private personal Imagine. photographs. Imagine that. <laughs>
3: I can imagine it, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> <Anyway>. <laughs> I don't think I put a hundred percent thought into any of my posts anyway.
1: <laughs> well done. Well <laughs> done. Stay listening. Thanks for sharing. Dawn, good morning.
12: Hi Neil. Hi.
1: Um this is the one with regards to the um, lo- yeah. um the fire in the loins, is it? <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's right.
12: <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, you know, this friend of mine, I mean he's n- he's mid sixties and he's so good to stay with his mum, he stays with her weeknights, and he just had an amazing weekend with a new girlfriend, head in the clouds, got woken up early in the morning by text. The first Two letters of um, of the two girls, names are the, the, the same. By the way, but anyway, he gets woken up by a message. Um, are you at your mum's house? So he thought, oh, this is great. Looks great for the relationship. She's she wants to know where I am. Oh, um, why would you know, anybody
1: think possessiveness is a good sign in a relationship? Incidentally,
12: well, when you when you're a bit insecure in a new relationship, you don't know how the person's thinking. And and to him, it was a sign that she was serious about.
1: You're it. right. It is. It is nice. It's complimentary. It is. Yeah.
12: Yeah. 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 <laughs> yeah. So Take So um so of course he was all excited and um well she said, um, can you do without me? I've got a cold. <laughs> so so he said, Oh, I don't know about that. Um do I could do without you you so started a fire in my loins and he went on to say a few more things.
1: Oh, did he well, that's what else did
12: he say? He said he said, I, um, he said I'm hard Just think Ah
1: no that's too much That's too <laughs> yeah, much yeah. I wish I hadn't <laughs> Asked that question
12: <laughs> I know I, I wondered why you did And um, <laughs> So And there, there was just, A, a silence after that It was when there was No return text He checked And he thought It was actually the carer Who actually happens To be um, A young and very Attractive girl Which To make matters worse Oh know,
1: but, know, but she a, I mean seriously though She could have been Quite upset by that
12: she could have, and she was she was bewildered, and he was in a flat spin. Of course, he oh, thought. God she's Going to be reporting him, you
11: know, he's oh. going to lose the service. <laughs> so,
1: yeah, she'd be under the HSE refusing to go, yeah. rece- refusing yeah. to deal and treat with his elderly mum with dementia.
11: Yeah, oh yeah.
12: god, yeah. almighty. With, as um, just by luck, I happen to be a line manager, so, so she was, you know, so I, I'm with the HSE, I'd be you know, the, yeah. the manager of the carers, so that was that was actually fortunate for her. Yeah, you it were able to defuse him. the
1: situation. Did he say, well,
12: did he? She, ap- yeah. Yeah, yeah, of course. Yeah, he apologized, but of course she saw the the funny side immediately, and she said, "Don't worry, it could happen to us all, it has." Oh God, <laughs> it happens to most people.
1: By comparison, yeah. I have a nice, I have a nice, safe, quiet, sedate life. <laughs> <laughs> yeah.
7: Yeah. Oh
8: my it's God, God I love it! One.
7: Well
1: done, well done. <laughs> Thanks for sharing that. They're right. just super stories. Kian,
7: how's it going? <laughs> <laughs> what did you call your boss? Uh, I won't say it on air, Neil. <laughs> A P-R-I-C-K <laughs> what? Yeah Why? Why did you How did it happen?
2: <laughs> there was so, so much that happened the night before and I was just kind of in bad form I was texting texting a colleague and must I said it was sent it to him by accident <laughs> but I was actually off for a few days so I didn't know I'd sent it to him until I got back How did you find out? Did he say it to you? I got in and he was kind of in the back office and I just walked in and he kind of just started reading it out like <laughs> oh, <God. laughs> oh my God you must have been mortified oh yeah yeah it was hard you
1: know it was, we got over it <laughs> but why would you call him that name if you also say he was actually a lovely man poor misfortune it was just one of those days you
7: know <laughs> how did you make the mistake I don't know, I don't know it was one of the old phones, and you know,
2: once you click it it gun kind of like it was it was about 10 years ago
1: oh my god are you ultra cautious ever since then
2: oh yeah <laughs> I'm double checking up and down and
1: <laughs> Oh, man, I've just got so many of these stories to share. Yours amongst them. Appreciate that. Thanks for that. Take care. Cheers. there's Cheers. another one for you. Um I had a friend of mine who always rang me when he knew I was in the bookies to do a bet for him. Right. So you'd be in the bookies and the buddy would ring then. I'll put on a bet for me there. Blah, blah, blah. When the bet won, I always paid him. But when the bet lost, he always forgot to pay me. One day after putting on yet another bet for him. I texted another one of my friends saying this. You won't believe this. That other miserable bollocks is after catching me for yet another bet. He wouldn't stop ringing me until I eventually had to answer. The only reason I answered this time is because his sister's coming out with us tonight and I'm going to chance my arm with her. Send text. I actually sent it to my skin flint friend. Uh, We never went out that night and he texted me back saying his sister wouldn't touch me with a barge pole and she thought I was a total ass. On the plus side, he stopped ringing me to do the bets for him. Love the show, says Declan. And a very final one ahead of the break. I have a story for you. Back in 2006, I was getting married. And of course, I was out having a few with the lads. So it was late at night, maybe around one, perhaps two in the morning, when I decided to ring my wife-to-be. But unknowingly to me, I rang the priest instead and went on to ask him, could you pick me up from the pub? It was a bit awkward when we had to meet and he eventually married us, but he never said anything in fairness to him. Back after the break. More calls on the way. Talk to Neil Printerville now.
0: 1851
1: Red FM. Okay, so there's one thing inadvertently sending the wrong text to the wrong person, but what if you're on the receiving end, you know, where you get in touch with him because you got a text. On the subject of the wrong text, it wasn't me that sent the text, but I was on the receiving end of one. The guy that sent it to me was married with children, and the text I got off him was... I think about you all the time, too, babe. Three exclamation marks! I knew from this text it was his bit on the side and not for me. I didn't reply back. In fact, I didn't want it to be. I didn't want to be involved at all. But that evening, I was at home and I got a phone call from the adulterer. Let us call him. He said, "Today, uh, did you get a text off my phone?" So I played dumb and said, "No." The conversation went on for a while. And he ended up by saying that his phone was robbed and the person that robbed it was sending out texts to the contacts in his phone. I mean, I mean, like that's like the dog ate my homework, isn't it? Pathetic. I just let that one go as I knew he was trying to worm his way out of it because if his phone was stolen, how did he know the robber was texting people? And how did he get his phone back? I think all of us are around long enough to know that thieves don't steal phones to send out texts to contacts, to contacts on the phone. Anyway, it was awkward whenever I met him in the company of his wife. Please, keep my details private as you're so popular, you never know who might be listening. I certainly will, but thank you for sharing. Back to the phone lines we go. Celine.
0: Hi, Neil. How are you In
1: fact, you thought earlier on that somebody else was coming on to tell I the story about, about you.
0: youifications inside in
1: the kitchen <laughs> <Palpitations>. <laughs> so no nobody nobody shopped you, so you can shop yourself
0: <laughs> yeah i was I was um seeing a counselor. her name was Helen, from for bereavement after my mother passed, and in two thousand and seven. So we were going through the weeks of it and it was grand balling my eyes out as you know, mm. as part of it all. And I text her one um weekend to tell her that I wouldn't be there, wouldn't be able to make it on the Monday. So I text um I which I thought I text, Hi Helen, won't be won't be able to make it on Monday. So when she text, when I got a text back, beep beep, I looked at my phone and next minute I saw that I sent Hi whore won't be there monday sorry i i i didn't know how i was going to face her because i was so embarrassed i was saying mother god what am i going to do so i texted her apologizing first predictive text i'm so sorry uh and then when i went into her on the, on the following week i was Gosh, her beetroot. I said, I'm so sorry. She said, oh, no. She said, you made my weekend. She said <laughs> she had friends around and she was showing them. Yeah, I've been called everything in my job, whore and all. <laughs>
1: but would predictive, would predictive texts change <laughs> Helen to whore?
0: Oh, Jesus, I don't know how it came, but I, <laughs> I called her a whore anyway
1: it wasn't that you had clumsy thumbs or anything no
0: I mean yeah probably too my thumbs are probably
6: too fat for the phone predictive
1: text actually should be outlawed and banned because it makes all sorts of. you know when I I type the word T-H-E it comes up on the phone as T-G-E
0: I mean that's what's that about oh jeez I don't know what I did but it ended up high whore anyway can I
1: can I I just I mean I don't mean to pry but did you find the bereavement counselling helpful
0: uh, to be really honest, no. It was just someone there that I could chat to. But
10: maybe that of,
1: maybe that was the benefit.
0: Maybe so, yeah. Because the rest of my family were going through the same thing. So, like, you can't be offloading your feelings on them when they have the same feelings. Like, do you know what I mean?
1: Yeah. So it's talking. Yeah. It's talking it through yeah, without burdening yeah. family.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Do you know? But like, as. For anything else, I suppose. Like I suppose, it's just to have someone to talk to and just someone to listen. Isn't it really?
1: Like, I know, and you know, yeah. it, it it takes time, doesn't it? It's time, it really. It's it just, does. It's pain uh, and it's, loneliness and anguish and disbelief
0: and belonging. You know, and, and you know, yeah, you just want that person. You know, yeah. I know, exactly. I know. I know. Yeah. Are you in
1: a better place now?
0: Oh, way better place. Do you know, I know that, like, you know, we all have to go through stages of grief and what have you, but, like, at the end of the day, those people that loved you, that have passed, wouldn't want you to be crying and lamenting and feeling sorry for yourself. Do you know, they want you yeah. to be happy and go lucky, like, and yeah. get on with your life. I, re- I read Do a know? beautiful
1: piece in the in the Financial Times on Saturday. Um, it was a column piece of a, a man, I imagine he probably is in his, perhaps his 50s now at this stage, but he was talking about... The beauty, the beautifulness of his father dying at home in bed surrounded by his family as opposed to dying hooked up to machines in a hospital. He said it made, he said it made his father's passing much e- easier in many regards, you know, it was because yeah. because he was home for all, they they saw all of the different stages of their dad getting weaker and whatever, it was a beautifully written yeah. piece I'm probably not doing it justice but I just thought it was gorgeously written that he yeah, actually, I, he, he was saying just finally, he was saying that he he had a better understanding of embracing death because of it and not being afraid of it after that experience, you know it was beautifully yeah.
0: written. Yeah, I felt my dad was gone beforehand, I felt um, you know, I saw two different sides of a sudden death and a, a sick, someone sick in hospital death, you know, yeah. which I had experience of both. Yeah. But I did, I did find the sudden death very much harder to deal with, obviously. I know, I know. But I felt like, you know, it was easier to let my mum go when I knew my father was gone ahead, so he'd be waiting for a time her. like, yeah, you know. Yeah. 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 yeah.
1: And that is the case. Yeah. They are together. That is,
0: of yeah. That's yeah. it, exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Listen, it's,
1: it's lovely talking to you, Celine. Yeah, Thank Celine. you so much.
0: Enjoyed your show every day. Mind Take yourself. Care. Cheers. Great um, team. I'll come
1: back to it after 11, so I will I promise you that. But be very careful of uh, text messages that you're getting. I mean, I know of the funny ones, but there's also the scam ones, and there's a lot of them knocking around, and they're changing all of the time. I told you how, the, talking to Anne on the air yesterday, and she was explaining how. You know, she was getting messages from scammers, but they were coming up in the thread of texts from her legitimate bank texts. Uh, Attached is a screenshot of a text I received only this morning, alleging to be from welfare. I believe this is a scam. See how overdue is spelt in the email address. Uh, Also, my phone security software triggered and quarantined the message. Might be worth warning people about this, says Patrick. Thank you for that. And it is a text that says urgent. According to the new ease of COVID-19, which is grammatically incorrect, incidentally, according to the new ease of COVID-19 restriction, full stop. You are qualified for 250 euro weekly pop benefit. Tap here to apply. Life. I mean, that is just screaming and screaming scam. Uh, on loads of different levels, loads of different levels, um, and clearly that's a scam that's coming out, from, coming in from overseas, or indeed from someone who doesn't speak English as a first language.
0: Hey, it's Kira. Tune in to Saturday Breakfast on Red FM from 7am and wake up your weekend with music, chats and all that's happening in Cork. That's Saturday Breakfast on Red FM with me, Kira Revens.
3: Officially
1: Ireland's music station of the year. This is Cork's Red FM. Ah, uh, We had some great chats yesterday with Dennis Coffey. We covered so much ground of nostalgia and his rearing and his growing up in the city and all of the characters that he met. It was a lot of fun. At one stage he was saying that he did part-time work in uh, the Monster Arcade, and loved working there, and all of the characters and the people that he worked with, prompted uh, a lovely email. Actually, I was listening to your show yesterday when you mentioned caches, and the memories came flowing back to me of my time when I worked after school and summer holidays there. Uh, this would have been in the late sixties when Mr. Connie Doyle worked there as a van driver, and his son Neil in the furniture factory in Mailer Street. That's right. There was a furniture factory there. I remember your dad as well, Neil, who worked in the furniture department. Mr. Manley, Michael Manley and Freddie Bennett worked in dispatch. Tom Donnelly was the store manager and his assistant was Vincent Daly, who went on to be store manager himself. I could go on, but this info is relevant to maybe the people who worked there. Connie Doyle was the owner of a famous Blackpool Harrier called the Armoured Car Jimmy Crowley sang a great song about this famous hound it probably would be worth finding and playing take care up the norries I don't know who sent that because it's not signed I don't have any name to go with it I don't know whether it got uh, clipped out of the email when I got it but whomever you are thank you so much for that Connie Doyle then because I recall in the 70s he was the manager in the dispatch so he probably moved from the vans into the dispatch itself but he's a lovely man very big big man brilliantly built big tall man broad shoulders uh, white hair but a real character and a very very kind man as I remember him because I went in as a small little fellow he was very kind to me uh, you know really considerate you know for just starting off first part time job that kind of thing uh, but thank you for that that's lovely um, Chris Su, uh he was the TV man back in Cork in the 70s we got texts about him yesterday Chris Sue was affectionately known as the China man if you spoke to people around the city back in the 1970s or so and they said They'd say, I got a TV from the Chinaman. Everyone knew you were talking about Chris Sue. He would arrive to the house, you see. He'd leave the television for a week or so to try it out. Uh, Then he would come back to do a deal to buy it. But people had fallen in love with the TV by then. They'd gotten used to the new TV and they always ended up buying it. If my memory is correct, he was one of the first people to bring remote-controlled televisions to Cork. And meters as well, I think. Chris Sue was the man behind the TV meter where you put the money in. Cauconians of yesterday were so naive when it came to such newfangled contraptions as television. Imagine being that gullible. It wouldn't happen to us today. We're far more intelligent. Now, take your jab, put on your mask, because the people on the telly told you to do it. Well said, said Richie. Not everybody would really agree with maybe what you're saying, but well said for the way in which you said it, Richie and Toker. That's right. We had black and uh, red tiles in the toilet, and they were all pulled up, I remember when it happened, to put in the meter for the gas in the hallway used to live by Toomey's shop in Barrick Street and to remember all those things that Dennis Coffey was talking about. And I'm only in my late 40s. He's bringing a smile to my face. And I got a lovely short text from the wonderful, wonderful Cork historian and scholar Richard T. Cook. Wonderful, wonderful man. He says, great show, Neil. Many happy, beautiful memories from Dennis Coffey travelling around Cork City, suburbs and county. He painted a lovely picture of history and continues to do so wherever he goes. He is a true Cork historian and a true Cork scholar. And so are you, Richard T. Cook, and thank you for that. One final one. Listening to Dennis Coffey on the air brought back some great memories. I was born and reared at 32 South Mall. I was born and reared over the Bank of Ireland. My father was the head porter and caretaker of the bank. I remember each and every car character that Dennis referred to on air, all of them. I had lots of them forgotten, but as he spoke about them, the image of them immediately entered my head. I could see them again. Living in the city centre was a great experience for me, but it was also a lonesome one as a child growing up. My school friends were not living nearby. I hated Sundays and I hated Wednesday afternoons because the entire city was closed down and my neighbouring streets we just completely empty. I brought that feeling of loneliness with me throughout my life until Sunday trading became a reality. <laughs> city centre life made me very streetwise, I can tell you, at a very young age. Therefore, it had its pros and cons. Beautiful text, Sean, and thank you for it. The Armoured Car, they're telling me now, was written uh, by an O'Callaghan man and made popular by the, la- the late singing fireman John O'Shea who passed the song on to Jimmy Crowley. And it was about Connie Doyle's dog, the armoured car. Text 0868 Pick up the phone on one eight fifty one zero four one zero six. Just a quick scam call. Thank God it wasn't huge money, but it was a scam nonetheless. Catherine, good morning.
12: Morning, Neil. How are you?
1: Um, and it came up on your AIB thread. What do you mean by that? What happened?
12: Um, well, first of all, I suppose last week I was just going through my online banking and I saw this transaction for €15 Euros and I was like, I couldn't figure out what it was. And I rang the IB to check it because I didn't know what it was, and it was through my visa my visa debit card, basically VDP WLY, and it was complete SA. So she said she hadn't heard she hadn't heard of it, and she looked it up and she
1: complete SA. It. Yeah. Okay.
12: Yeah, and she said she'd be referring it to the fraud team, and she came back to me and she rang. And she told me that it was fraud, and they refunded the the fifteen euros within twenty four hours. I had it back in my account. Do you ever think so as to
1: how much money banks are refunding people, and we don't know anything about it? I know
12: it's been it's, millions. And, and like that, fifteen euros could have very easily be. I suppose I would be doing an awful lot of online shopping, and have been doing an awful lot of online shopping over the last since March twenty twenty, because you know between Tesco and you are getting. Stuff delivered for clients. I or know, and I see you are
1: spending things. fair amount of money with Tesco, and you're paying your energy <laughs> bills and everything. I have, I have all the details you of your shopping.
12: To <laughs> <laughs> you were supposed to see those. <laughs> well, I did. <laughs> <laughs> so I suppose you know, like it was just, I, I, just couldn't figure out what it was, and I suppose the fact that I, that I'd made the phone calls, like she said, sometimes and it actually happened to me, um, maybe. Three or four months ago, I had, um, like that thread that I would sent you now, I had an AIB text message asking me to confirm a transaction for 99 cents yeah. for such and such place. So, and I said no, because I would actually been, in, I was asleep, so it, was, it wasn't me. So I rang, and it was actually a college in Boston. Get away. I was trying to, yeah. So I suppose, I mean, I just got that thread back in this morning, and I don't know, I heard a caller, what were you there yesterday or the day before about this thread? And, it and yeah,
11: yeah it thread. comes, and you I, see, you know.
1: the fake ones come in with, they get onto the same thread as your legit yes. AIB mobile yeah. app texts, you see, and that makes yeah. people think they are legit.
12: So I don't know. I have to ring them now. I just have no chance this morning because I've been busy. But I need to ring to make sure whether that is a legit message coming from them or is it a no scammer? Because I've gone this is my second card I'm after getting. Do you know what? Like it's been cancelled and a new card. So it's really it's it's a nuisance because Isn't it? you like you might. And I suppose I don't carry cash. It's all cards I use constantly. You know I don't carry cash in my pocket anymore. Those days are gone because it's all online or you tap it if you need it at the petrol station or whatever. So, like, it's really a bummer if you don't have your card with you.
1: That's why cash should never go out of favour.
12: Yeah, it should. You should always have cash. We'll have to go back to putting it into the mattress, I reckon.
1: Do you not miss money, no? Do you not miss cash, hard cash?
12: No. No, it doesn't bother me. No. I just know it's there. Well, we'd like to think it's in the bank account, but it's just easier. And I suppose I have it on my phone then as well. So, if I didn't even have my wallet, I should have my phone on my my card on my iPhone. So and is it
1: possible insane. to live your life without cash now completely? I mean, are, are, there, no. are there some nuisance things that happen to you?
12: No, there's always there's something you still will need cash for. Like my daughter now would need something for this for school or whatever. So it's actually a nuisance actually trying to go and get cash out. That's what I find now. You know, there's always something that you want to get or whatever. But I, yeah, you should just always have a small bit of cash, I suppose. But I find it difficult... To get cash, I know. if you know what I mean. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, it's, it's an, to try and get something out, like.
1: Yeah, I mean, you're worried now that there'll be more transactions on your card, aren't yeah.
12: you? Yeah. yeah, and it's a brand new card. I only got it on Friday morning again, so, like, it's... it's
1: Why is instance. that like, happening I, with a different number on the card?
12: And I suppose, Yeah, and, like, also as well, I suppose, it's the fact that on, you know, the website, you'd see the little padlock at the top of it to make sure it's secure. And I always check that, but they're obviously still able to get through the system, the one step the ahead system. of
1: us. Yeah yeah,
12: yeah. yeah. Yeah.
1: Anyway, here, listen. Listen to this sound. This is me tearing up your <laughs> on, online shopping. So nobody has it now. It's in <laughs> it's in confetti now. right?
7: So <laughs> safe. Thanks, Neil. All, right. Love All so. the best.
1: Bye. This is the Neil
0: Prenderville Show. Tweet the show at NeilRedFM. 104
1: to 106 Red FM. See that in the news this morning, the Financial Times reporting that uh, information, private information of patients' files and internal memos and costings and all sorts of things belong to the HSC have now been dumped online by the uh, the cyber criminals. And it looks as if it is accurate that they already have started, that the hackers who stole all of the uh, correspondence and stole all of the personal patient information and everything that the hospital had online they have started to dump it online now so all of this work that's being done trying to rectify this seems kind of pointless to me does it not seem pointless to you if they already have stolen everything and they already are in possession of it and when the money isn't paid, they're just going to release it all. Um, that's kind of scary that, you know, they really don't care. You know, it's just about the money, full stop. But the worry is what's going to come after, you know, where will the next hack be? Where will the next cybercrime activity hacktivate? Um In relation to calls from phone numbers that are not actually from the number, Neil, anyone can easily download an app that disguises your number to a number that you put in. So you can, we any of us apparently could download an app and take another number. We could take a number of a Garda station. We could take a number of a, uh, a government department. We could do anything. Apparently there's an app to do this. Chris says, when I was living in Canada, scammers regularly disguised their number to actual police station numbers. So it appeared to be a legitimate call from the police even though the call wasn't from that number at all. Uh, So they're always one step ahead. Um, Lots on scams. The very same thing happened to me. I thought it might be legit because it came from the AIB, but I rang the bank to be told it was a fraud, says Gillian. Morning, my daughter's bank claimed it was her phone company was to blame. They said the phone company must have been hacked. They did reimburse her the money she was scammed out of. It's the same story as your callers. She bought something online and got a text with a six-digit Put in your six digits to OK the payment. Never, ever do that. Never. The recent Bank of Ireland tech scam resulted in a bank employee being arrested. That's frightening, says Paddy. Uh, you're on about hacking. I'm just wondering how comfortable and confident people will feel now going forward when they change to total digital financial dealings. Technology is great, but in general, personal security and privacy is a thing of the past. Sad but true. And so is cash, isn't it? Just heard that girl, Anne, about scam calls from the Department of Social... But no, this was a different one. Uh, a scam call from the Department of Social Welfare and Protection. I've received this call on four occasions. 083 and landline numbers, says Connor. Um, by and large, people like that don't pick up the phone. It's usually post, you know, it's a letter you'll get, really, and it'll be an official one, not a phone call. You have to look at YouTube channel called Kit Kitbogga. He scams scammers by going through with the entire thing until the end and then he messes it up for them. It's very funny. He wastes hours of the scammer's time. I did that some years back with uh, some scam artists in India. Played along with them, played along, along, played dumb, uh, recorded it and broadcasted. it. It was very funny because at the end they started calling me all sorts of foul, abusive names. They knew I was winding them up. Uh, I also got an automated phone call saying that there was a warrant out for my arrest. It said that they were from Revenue and I had apparently committed tax fraud. Thankfully, I didn't click number, you know, they tell you click one to speak to an officer about the case. I went onto Revenue's website and I mentioned that these scams happen frequently, says Alan. There are loads of them. Oh, uh, one here. Oh, Neil, did you not know you won the Lebanese National Lottery? Please reply with your card number and security pin and we will... Post the winnings to your account. Congratulations. Would anybody actually do that? I mean, having never entered the Lebanese National Lottery, why would you do that? Listening to the show, I got the phone call also. It was an automated call saying there was a warrant out for my arrest over fraudulent activity on my bank accounts. Um, why would they be arresting you over fraudulent activities in your own bank? Um, it gave me ever such a big fright so I rang them back and he asked me for my PPS number and my address so I gave it and when I did they just hung up I rang the guardie, and they said immediately change all your passwords so some people do get duped and there's pages of these pages I will come back to them throughout the course of the morning but I want to jump back into some of the conversations we started yesterday with Dennis Coffey William good morning Hello Neil, how are you? And there you are, the man who grew up born and reared on Dominic Street, is it? That's
6: right, we're standing in there. Two lanes down from the great Joe Mack. That's right, Jack was, Jack, uh, uh, Joe Mack was two lanes down. My mother, them houses, uh, them houses would belong to, uh, the, do you remember the Cudmore's? Yes, the little sweet shops we, and the fruit shops. That's right, they owned it all, most of the houses there. You know, there was, there was a president the area uh, when they built Shannon? It was built for all the presidents, all them lanes was all full of presidents. Didn't
1: I? know that. Didn't I knew Cudmore's shops because they had one at the junction of Patrick Street and Winthrop Street. They think they had That's another right. on right. um, they had another one there on uh, Kings Terrace, they had one That's on right. McCurtain Street, they had one on right. Washington Street. Did they have more than that?
6: No, that's the... The main one was there just by caches at the corner, you know, just a desire to give of one shop or something Yes, there. and
1: do you remember years back, it used to be load... The windows were loaded down with fruit. Do you remember?
6: Fruit, yeah. The bananas and the oranges and the apples. And uh, I remember uh, we used to go in town there, you know, and you had... You had you know, you'd you be fascinated with all the fruit and stuff, you know, because I was listening to that chap was on, Neil and it brought me right back I was when he was talking nobody had nothing that time
1: we talking the 60s much, here or we talking the 70s talking
6: about the 60s and the 70s like um, there was nobody everyone was the same you know I was listening all about you know the computer hacking and all that all I was worrying people that time is to get a bit of grub and, yeah. yeah yeah, and um, because there was no doll, the, the dole the doll. when it came in it was only a few pence
1: and if you, you know remember correctly, that. Those that, an awful lot of families um, were provided for by men working on building sites and they didn't get any, if they, were, if they were rained off, there was no work, there was no money.
6: That's right. And you get, you at Christmas, you get two weeks off the corporation and you could get two weeks in the post, delivering the post. They give it to government, we give it two weeks. Um, you get two weeks coming up to Christmas always, you know. Two weeks oh, what? They two they weeks to do it. Two That's weeks work, right. is it? You, you get two weeks work, yeah. Uh, Christmas, because you know, Christmas, uh, the government, you go up to the city hall, you put your name down. Go there, and they? And they'd give you two weeks work, or uh, you could go to the post, the post office, they used to do it. So if you had
1: a full-time job in the corporation, you were set for life, weren't you?
6: Oh, you were set for life that time, yeah. To, like, it's, it's one of the top jobs in Ireland, now, oh, the corporation. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, and uh, it, it's it's it, like and like that time as when when he was talking about Andy Gar. Andy Gar used to take out the hanky when he be when he be trying to get a few bars <laughs> and the hanky would be gone. You know, <laughs> I
1: and, remember um, him as a very
6: very small boy. I remember him. Yeah, he used to he used to, he was a character like, and there was there was there was loads of characters, there was people. There was there was there was characters. They had homes, and there was characters. They had no homes. You had spoons. He used to be on the bridge. Spoons, and you had wacker, and you had all the paper boys. Everyone in the paper boys were characters in their own, like. You know, you had them, you had them, you, um, you, um, you see, there was a documentary made one time about the Ech-
12: Echo Wise. That's float. right,
1: that's right. Yeah, it's still there actually know, online if anybody wants to have a look at it. It's an old RTE one. But boy, that's he so named, he named right. some right characters, didn't he? He really did.
6: Yeah, there's most of them are still alive. There's a few of them, them. they'd you now, addressed them. And, um, but he worked very, very hard. I sold papers myself outside the gas company. When I was and, seven years of age, I used to come. Seven, I started when I was only seven or eight.
1: He spoke about Holy Joe. He talked of Andy God, the rancher, born free. Charlie that's Coleman, right. the first nudist swimmer. Johnny Papers lived in a cave. Did you know that
6: Hercules? I did. I know about him. Yeah, he lived up in the cave in Lake uh, Glabby Rock.
1: God Almighty, that's amazing. I mean, there were just amazing yeah, he was stories.
6: There and the neighbors, the neighbors looked after him. Sure, the well, Cock well the know about him that time.
1: And do you I mean, recall television coming? Do you recall stories of people I, fiddling the gas I'm meters?
6: When you mentioned about the telly, my mother was the first one had a telly in Ireland. <laughs> and uh, she used to bring, all the neighbors would come in uh, when, the, when the Eurovision you would come on. And they'd go up to the shilling stores and they'd get a book of tickets in the shilling stores, as you know, where the shilling stores were, dear. I remember Which the shilling stores. Where was that? It was up in Don Square.
1: The shilling stores in Don
6: Square? Yeah, my mother is 95 now. She was 95 in April.
1: Fair play to her. Fair play. And why was it the shilling stores? Was everything in it a shilling?
6: Well, there was things more than shilling, but you know yourself, it's like the pound shop. You go into the pound shop, stuff
7: for stuff twenty that's pounds. Right, uh,
6: that's right. That's <laughs> right. But like, did all hit the shilling stores, and especially for the mock money? The mock money came out in about nineteen sixty-seven.
1: What's mock money?
6: What was that? It was it was plastic coins, you know, for the kids. You they used to always get them on a Christmas. All night. right, yeah. And there was a few notes. There was a few mock notes in it as well, but they used to use the coins then for the gas meter. Would
1: the mock coins, the plastic coins, work in the gas meter?
6: They used to work, but sometimes they'd break, they'd crack. You know, when you twist it in, <laughs> it would, will crack. And my dad used to be up there; he'd have a butter knife and he'd be trying to push it down. You know. But when
1: and the he, gas mate, when the meter man came to collect the money, all he's, he's getting then is bits of out. bits of lino and plastic coins.
6: That's right, the liner. They'd shape the, to the the with the scissors around, you know. And they, 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 they'd have it the same. The, the liner was the best, actually, but when the cards came out, the coins were what They used to have to tear the liner all. Then they used to just use the coins. But well, he'd still be looking for his money, though, wouldn't he? He would. Should there be a scatter in the house? He'd, uh, <laughs> when he'd come with a bag, you know, he used to have a big leather bag and he'd put up the thing and he'd go in the hall. <laughs> And me poor mother, you'll be standing and she'll be shaking.
1: And would, like, would, they, would he be odd, like, would he be saying, like, an...
6: Uh, some of them would be odd, but other them they were mostly nice men, and they were, they were nice men, and they'd, they'd give her a few... He'd say, i give you a few lops back, he'd give her a few pound back, you know, well, he'd make her a few shillings, like... But so the car cast company must have been making no money. I'd say they were making nothing, you know. So everyone was the same meal, you and know, where we were living anywhere... I can only speak about that. There was, you know, there was, So sure, the priest came down there one day and he said, it's the poorest of the poorest. You had the loft around the corner and you start going there. And so sure, me, me mother's, me mother's brothers used to play with Jack Lynch. they used to climb the wall. Amazing. He used to always call into her. I remember as a young lady standing at the door and Jack would be outside the door talking and she'd bring him in for a cup of tea and um, all that stuff, and, you know, there was, there was, and and, and the, the politicians, that time would go around, there'd be a big gang of women, and, and, they'd knock at your door, they knew everyone, Yeah, you know, they yeah. knew, they knew everyone, they shake your hand, and, and, they, and they knew, they know what was happening in people's lives, you know, it it's, it's, it's all changed, like, you know. Yeah, but for and the
1: better, not- though, you know. I imagine
6: In one very sense much. It is Neil. It In one sense It is, but, but
1: people aren't cold and hungry. Well,
6: not no, as many anyway. Like, like long ago, Neil, you probably remember yourself. You go through. You go through Patrick Street. You might see two people. You might see three people down and out. You yeah, know, it's they're right. all over the place now.
1: That's right.
6: Oh my so god! There's it's good and bad. Like just you know, You're right about there's no need to be hungry today. Are you? And where?
1: Where did you get the TV? Then do you recall that?
6: Was it a rental I think, job? It was Madden's, so though. I'm not sure. I think my father got it in Madden's that had um, the plastic down over the front of it. A rental job, I, I suppose. Yeah, probably a rental job, yeah. Amazing. Plastic down over the front of it and all oh, the neighbours were coming in then and watching us.
1: Every That's night, the house would be full of the neighbours, is it?
6: We we had, yeah, we'd, we'd always have someone to come in there. Yeah, there'd be three or four or five different people in the front room every Nice. Especially on the Sunday, you know, on the Sunday that I think they'd show one film. The Sunday McNeese <laughs> and we'd they, be all in the kids would be in and we'd be all sitting down and my mum would give us you should give me a bit of razz or something and a little biscuit and we'd be watching the telly. And she
1: was fine with that with all of these kids under her feet, like she was even giving you food and drinks.
6: And there was there was there was ten of us there, like, you know, there were seven girls and must have been and, some
1: uh, racket in that front room.
6: <laughs> oh, it is unbelievable, Neil. But, to see, we were all very happy, though.
1: It black and white like, television. Do you recall colour television then, or were you grown up and gone?
6: I was, I was, I remember the colour television coming in as well, yeah. Because uh,
1: that was a real status symbol. It was all very well, people are right. black and white. But only they the very only posh had the colour. Had the colour.
6: Yeah, there was all the, um, the you know the frogs and telly that time. You now, they, they were all going for that because that was the best make. Get away! And uh, you Lazy. know you you when they give them out, then they put slots in the back of them.
1: Actually, that's very interesting because Chris Sue was affectionately known as the Chinaman. I read this out earlier on, and back in the. 70s or so um, everyone was getting televisions for him and he was the first man to bring remote controlled television to Cork and a buddy of mine Kevin Hennessy is a good friend of mine his dad had Hennessy's TV and hi-fi on Cook Street for years and they had thousands of televisions on rental and they had hundreds and hundreds of televisions with meters Kevin Hennessy was telling me um and yeah he said that Chris Su brought them all from China and he had slots made for the Irish coins. So this guy called Chris Sue started all that. And it was oh. huge business back in the day. He, they, they said business. that this guy, Chris Sue, could, send, could sell sand to the Arabs. He'd leave the television for a week, knowing full well that people would buy it if he left it with them, you know? Clever kind That's of. Right. Clever bit of marketing. There was a
6: way around that as well with the slots, deal because you could, you, you'd always get... You would know, always get a no or two free with the butter knife, you know, you stick the butter <laughs> knife in and you'd, 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 you'd switch the thing. My dad was an expert at it <laughs> and he'd flick the thing and he'd say, you have a no or no. He used to call me mother Kitty and he'd say, Kitty, you have a next door. Well, they know, you know, I got to get the flick <laughs> and uh, we'd all be watching it then again, you know, and then it. If we were watching it over the order, then it just go blank again, you know? But
1: well, what happens if you're watching something that you're really into halfway through a cowboy and Indian movie, film or something and it runs out of money?
6: There'd be no way you could turn on the telly. Me dad would know the time the film would be coming on <laughs> and just when the writing would be coming up, the actors' names and everything, they'd be turned on then. Just
1: at the credits when they roll.
6: Just, uh, you know, just when he gets... And then he, if it, he'd be watching it then, you know. He'd be watching it. And if, if there was ads and he'd switch it off then, you know. <laughs> and then oh, you'd, have to pull out the, you'd have to pull out the plug The deal as well because... You, you, it, it still be ticking the <laughs> box at the back if you didn't take out the plug. You know what I mean?
1: Oh my God, Almighty! How and times it, have changed! And I
6: was when he was talking, he, uh, I was thinking back at the the bridges, the bridges. It was to be fully young fellas. No, we say from from twelve or up to about eighteen. That time they'd be watching the salmon. You would have all from from the shaky bridge down onto Brian Moreau's Bridge. And they'd be on every bridge, they'd be 20 or 20 young fellas poaching the salmon. Oh, not
1: watching them. Straw calling yeah. them, trying to catch them. Be,
6: well, straw calling. Uh, but there was, there was some of them then, long ago, they were experts at it. I oh. read a book on it myself, Neil. I don't know, I, I I actually threw one of the books into your office for you, There, uh, they back about 78 years ago. Oh, uh, really? Yes, I oh, I wonder I if I ever got that. In, I wonder
1: if I ever got that, but when they they poached the salmon, and there they are on Patrick's Bridge with a few salmon, what did they do with the salmon?
6: They used to be fellas waiting to buy them.
1: Would that because be restaurants them, or hotels or people bringing them home?
6: Well, well not very really. No, I'd say they'd be bringing them home, but they'd be selling them. They'd be fellas just come up if you, if you hooked one and you pulled them up over the wall. There'd be someone up straight away, i give you whatever for that, you know. And he'd be gone. He could be on the hotel. He That's could what
1: be... I'm saying. It was probably a hotel or a restaurant, yeah. Yeah,
6: and they'd, they'd be watching, and they'd, have, they'd be up and down, and they'd, they'd have them sold before they, you know, they just hit the... Hit hit the bank, and they'd have them sold.
1: Yeah, there was yeah, there was another spot up by the Mercy Hospital. The bend in the river there was a popular spot, I'm told, wasn't it? That
6: was, there off of the wall. It yeah. was very good because they'd have to come around there the sea. But you want. You want to be good up there the sea. <laughs> you want to ride up there, then it wouldn't be no good with the hand Because <laughs> the bridge was better because, to see, if the, if the bailiffs came along, they searched you, could plank the bit of You know, they used to have it on a stick. Did you do a bit of it? I did a pile of it shall I read a book in it, I told you
1: oh you wrote the book or I thought you said you read the book
6: yeah I have a full licence now I don't have to do anything like that no more I have a boat in Nets now and I catches on legal where down the harbour and what's your surname O'Shea. because
1: I see boats out there with nets down below the old ferry boat pub are you down around there
6: do you remember a couple of years ago, Neil, there was someone complaining they were doing their pilot all in the boat. You said back to them, I'm sure they have no tide The water, where are they going to go?
1: <laughs> I do. Do you remember that? Was that you? <laughs> that was probably
6: <lovely. laughs>
1: so, th- so the salmon that you catch now, I'm very interested in this. I hope others are, I'm sure they are. You have to put a tag on their fin, don't you?
6: I put a tag in their mouth, yeah. In around their gill.
1: A uh, little plastic thing. And then what what do you do then with the salmon?
6: I bring, I sell them. I bring them into the market.
1: So you say you go into Pat O'Connell and Pat O'Connell buys the oh, fish Pat off is you. Pat a
6: great friend of mine. Pat great sir, guy. He has the
1: best fish in Ireland. He Pat. does. Oh my God! I got some hake there about a week ago, and I got some. Oh, shit, oh beautiful! Oh I man. was
6: in there. And I was on your side. I got a few mackerel myself. Not interrupting you, there, Neil. I got mackerel. There. I was going in for the
1: fecking mackerel, and I forgot about them. So you beat me to that. But I got some hake and some and some wild trout. It was unbelievable. Oh,
6: um, so sure he had beautiful stuff. Just, just. So he
1: takes the he takes the salmon and he has to give the tag then from the salmon's mouth to who's probably some government department is it?
6: I, I, I suppose so yeah he'd have to he'd have to mark him down and give him the tag I don't know what way that works. so and you get and... are
1: you given X amount of tags then to catch X amount of salmon?
6: Yeah, you get so you get your quota like. And do you always
1: meet the quota.
6: You have to, show. Sure. You'll be checked every day.
1: No, but you are there enough there for you to fish?
6: What do you mean by that? Is me? there
1: enough salmon in the river?
6: Oh, well, there's twenty salmon there. It's just that you wouldn't have a, the, the salmon are back. No, they're back for the last couple of years. Now there's plenty salmon running running up again. I remember one time back in the 70s, you would walk across them.
1: What? Really?
6: Yeah, you could walk across them. If you sat, the, you just sat in the bridge on the side of the bridge there, or on one of the bridges you'd see them coming up in the summer days. They'd be up on top of the water, shoulders of them. Easy to catch then. Well, you they were easy to catch if you knew how to catch them. Like. <laughs> so, know? but I mean, but sure, like all the laws that are coming after coming in since then, like you know, just. It's all up on YouTube. You know, you can see this, you, it's very... Like, it's, it, it's only a month since. It's, it's good, but like, you know... It's there, controlled um, now, this, yeah. It's controlled. You know, there's this all control now.
1: And why aren't there as many salmon now as there were before?
6: Well, the seed, you had you had the fishing trawlers outside. They arrived, I know. They were all bought out there, I suppose, 10 or 15 years ago. They used to have... They used to have nets a mile long, you know, and they would be drifting out in sea. Do you know they and drifting away and they, they used to slaughter the salmon.
1: Yeah. So the and the the, the, the idea is the salmon came up the lee to go way up river to spawn, wasn't it?
6: That's right. A salmon will come, A salmon where he's born, he'll come back about a foot, a foot, to, to, a foot from where he was born again. He that's where he's he'll, he'll come back to.
1: Amazing, and when they go back down river and out to sea, where do they
6: go? Well, if they do get back down, uh, it does a lot of old disease. There, some of them picks up an old disease when they're up there, and uh, some a lot of them dies. But they do some get back down, and they go back and uh, once they hit the salt water, they'll get better again. You know, yeah, and uh, they'll head off back up to Greenland and. Uh, with the help of God, they'll make it back again, the father's here.
1: Year in, year out, up to Greenland, back to the Lee, back to
6: Greenland, yeah, back to the Lee. That's right. They could come down, there could be a, there could be a seven. leave Greenland, he'd be, he be, he be from Cork, and there could be another one from Kerry, and another one from Galway, and when they come down the coast of Ireland, your man will head up to Galway, and the other fella will head to Kerry, and our fella will head to Cork.
1: And how long would it take a salmon to go from Greenland to Cork?
6: It yeah, would take them about a week. Is that all? A week to ten days, yeah. They
1: must be going like a bullet, are
6: they? Yeah, they'd be shooting, yeah. Yeah, it's sure they're, they're, they're one of the strongest fish in the world.
1: And do you have long days out on the punt there, sitting on the river?
6: I was awful out there for 16 hours. I just loved it, even, even if I didn't catch one. The pizza gets out in the boat and we has the flask of tea myself and my, my body frank and we and a few sandwiches and we loves it I and mean, we be watching the seals and stuff, you know. In yeah, all weather
1: animals. though. I mean sometimes right. it's in all weather I'd imagine.
6: any weather like out in any weather I be going out now to at uh, Street. The tide is a hapestry now today. i be out I'd be out there and I'd be fine and happy and I just love this and we'd be when we we meet a lot of people there, they'd be walking they'd be walking along and they'd be waving out with us with with their dogs and everything. So
1: you're not too far from the millennial park there as well, sure not?
6: No, I just out from that area. Yeah. yeah. i just out from that. And area. how long are you doing that? All my life, Nate. The first salmon I caught I caught him when I was eleven years old with my hands. Up the Wilton Bridge. And you and, a-
1: and how long are you I mean, on the Lee in the punt?
6: I'm I must be I'm I'm fishing on the Lee, I'd say forty years, over forty years. God almighty, you've
1: seen the changes. You've seen big changes now. Big changes yeah, to the but river.
6: It was getting cleaner though.
1: Without a doubt, yeah. And and the I know we lost all of the dockers and we lost all of the freight and everything. Should I
6: have a docker myself, Neil?
1: Amazing life, William. You've had an amazing life from childhood all the the way
6: through. I retired in two thousand and nine.
1: I gotta find that book. I don't recall it off the top of my head. I wonder if
3: I got
6: it. Man Hanged. That's the the archives had it. The the archives were in two thousand and seven. I think they they put it on their archives as well one time.
1: Why did you call it Man Hanged?
6: I called it Man Hanged from. Last gasp from fish. I tell you know what happened. I caught a salmon by St Mary's church. And I put him into a bag. And I was walking up my mother. You know the steps going up? You can go up steps down at the side of St Mary's. You
1: can, yeah.
6: I was just heading across the road. I was on my own. And the bailiffs pulled in. And they said, what have you in the bag? And they said, I have a salmon. And they said, where did you get him? I said, I bought him in the market. <laughs> okay. And they said, we want to look at him. This is a true story. Okay. And uh, when they, they talked, I had him the bag and when they were taking the salmon out of the bag, he started jumping around the place. <laughs> and your mate said to me, you bought him in the market. He said, he must have been in the fish tank.
1: <laughs> Bloody salmon got you caught.
7: <laughs> he was still alive. Did <laughs> so they take it off you?
6: He did, he took it off me What do they do with it then? They oh, probably hit him
1: <laughs> Man hanged by salmon
6: Last <laughs> gasp of salmon that was, the hit, that was the name on it uh, But there was lots of stuff down through the ears Neil. like we were down there another night myself and Frank and Frank is listening I think he said he was going to listen We were down there one and we were out in the boss. And we had a net out and there was a, there was a, it was a miserable night till the took down. And next there was a load of oil started coming up, you know, tick oil off mm-hmm. the bottom. Mm-hmm. But what was after happening? Me net was after wrapping around the, a propeller of a submarine. <laughs> a Russian submarine that were up spying on us. I get away, you're making that up. I'm telling you. 1977. In the harbour, in the port of Cork. Just coming up, there was a small submarine.
1: There, were a, there was about 12 of them on it. So, you didn't just snag salmon, you also hooked a submarine.
6: <laughs> well, it got caught around the propeller. They had a big propeller at that time, and they had to surface because they couldn't move. <laughs> and the captain came out and he was roaring about, he was roaring, he was shouting, and roaring, and rushing. <laughs> And we just give me tap, and the to shut him up. Just <laughs> in the hand, and give me tap, and they surrender to us.
1: you <laughs> take him into custody, the Russians?
6: <laughs> no, we they, we left him go. We said we let you go. We give you a chance, and we left. Ah, him go. go away! That. Is that true? That's true. But they could have dragged you under. No, nah, it would be deep enough. There, it was up a bit to see. They would, they would have to get coming in too close there's
1: another book in that the day I caught a Russian submarine in Cork
6: uh, that's, yeah, but they, they were all jokes we were making up deal we went down another day
1: it's not true
6: <laughs> this, we went down another day and when we pulled in the boat there was two salmon inside the boat
1: how come
6: do you know when they jumped they jumped <laughs> they landed inside the boat <laughs>
1: Oh my God, it made life easy for you that day. Listen, Yeah, but
6: Neil, I really enjoyed that chap you were done. I tell you, you know, he brought me right back. And, and
1: everybody, everybody will enjoy and our and chat I'd as well. Be,
6: I wouldn't be, I'd be a bit nervous for that, but I had to phone because it brought me right back to Wilworths in town. When they opened Wilworths in the morning, Saturday morning, all the fellas would be waiting just around the corner and they'd run in all the suites just inside the door they'd grab a few sweets and run out. Oh, without paying, I'd say. The smacked these you now, and they did everything, the rollers, did a all loose. Broken up, bits of crunchy and all sorts of that's things. That's right. And, and, and the chocolate crumb boats, I, I, he brought me right back, my head shot back to the chocolate crumb boats down the docks, and everyone in the north side had a bit of chocolate crumb. Their fathers ring them up and they give them to the neighbours, and and, and and that's the way it was, that time, because the one like today, you... Kids of everything today, thanks be to God, would long go. You'd have, you you'd get one tie and that would be Christmas yeah, for food or something, yeah, you know.
1: Different times. Listen, let people keep an eye out for you and give you the banu or give you the wave on the water next time they're passing. Yeah, well,
6: they'd be all waving. They do we know. We don't be far out. They'd be waving and they'd be all walking their dogs and they look, you know, they'd be just. Did we fascinated sometimes just to see us out there well, up in yes. the net and
1: Yeah. Well, good luck uh, today. I know you're heading out today. That you may have a uh, that you may have a big
6: catch with the help of God, Neil. And lovely listeners, Neil. And you does great work. Cheers, William. Thanks so
1: much. Fun. Lovely talking to you. Great chat. I'll
6: see you, in Bye-bye.
1: All the best. Take care.
0: The Neil Prendival Show on Cork's Red FM. Our phone lines remain open after midday. 1850-104-106.
1: They certainly will. Thank you so much. Uh, texter says, Chris Su was not Chinese. He was Thai. I met him in Pattaya, Thailand, about 15 years ago. He ran a small pub there and he still had a strong Cork accent. Thank you for that one. Just one then on Cork Airport and issues involving air lingus and redundancies and layoffs and what have you. I texted you several times over the past year in reference to Cork Airport. I did say all the time, all that time ago, that it will eventually close. Ryanair are gone, air lingus are going and they're closing in the autumn to do the runway. It's a joke. Where's Coveney, McGrath and Martin now? They're a lot of good to Cork, aren't they? I bet they'll blame COVID for its closure. Thanks, says Mick. This was all pre-planned. Massive response to people getting fraudulent calls, getting fraudulent texts. Some people's phones are ringing off the hook and these 083 numbers and all sorts of stuff like that. I'll always remember being at home on a Saturday night watching TV when I received a text from AIB asking me if I'd made a recent transaction. I thought it was a scam, didn't answer it. Then I got another asking me to reply yes or no. They then informed me that someone at an airport in England had attempted to use my banking details on a purchase. I checked my bag, my bank card. It was there. They then changed my card. It did shook me. Shick, uh, did shock me, and made me wonder how safe you really are. Yeah, they don't need the actual physical card. They can just clone that card. It happened with me actually. Some character in, in Greece. I remember he was buying all sorts of stuff with my credit card flights and everything easy jet flights all over Europe and take home PR, click and collect and Deliveroo pizza and fashion and footwear and all sorts of electrical equipment I mean thousands and thousands of euro this guy spent on my credit card and um, I think in Athens, Greece uh, the bank then unfortunately the credit card company has to pay you all the money back about three and a half years ago my mother was very ill I needed my phone line to be free at all times my phone kept ringing all day Uh, with text support telling me to turn on my computer. I kept telling them I didn't have one, stop ringing. But weeks it went on for, they kept ringing 20 times a day. One day he said, I know you have one, so turn it on. I lost it and I said, yeah, I had one. And my husband was on it all day long on dating sites where he met his new wife and he left me for her, took the computer with him. He was silent on the other end of the phone and he said, very sorry for your loss, hung up. Never rang again. Then reams of other people getting different ones. My husband got the same call from the Child Protection Agency. They said to him he was going to be arrested for money laundering and to click. This number is doing the rounds. Also saying court appearance, jail or fine and an arrest warrant has been issued. Reams and reams of them. Someone else is suggesting that what happens if, uh, actually what happens if the the information from the HSE that's dumped on the open market is internal communication between departments. I mean, that would be very interesting if all of their internal memos were released and others are wondering, would patients be liable to sue the HSE are they financially liable to everybody concerned? Uh, and we'll do more tomorrow for that, you can be sure. But a couple of texts before we go. Billy was saying that Connie, Connie Doyle had three sons, Niall, Jared, and Dominic. He just wanted to clarify that for Neil. He isn't interested in going on air. Just wanted to pass the comment on. Three sons, the great Connie Doyle. Uh, loved your conversation with William. I grew up not far from him. He's a lovely character. Great conversation with that gentleman, uh, William, about uh, the salmon. He paints a beautiful picture of peace, With nature. Uh, Hi Neil, or ask Neil, does he remember Paddy Elvis pulling the cart around Ballinlock, Mahan, and Blackrock? I do, Paddy Elvis, from my childhood. Boy, we used to get fierce chases from him. Um, Don't know why he chased us. Maybe he got the exercise from it, but somebody would always razz him or wind him up, and he'd chase us uh, up around back the Beaumont Quarry and down around the fields. Now that I look back on it, we must have been awful. Cousin of Wacker says that Wacker chose to be homeless. He says he had a room if he wanted it. Uh, Why not go back to pen and paper with all this stuff happening online these days? Get rid of all cars. Bring cash back with a dash. Um, And uh, the Chinaman was actually Thai. He used to bring in the TVs. He had a shop below on Marlborough Street as well. He used to get them brought over uh, down through Northern Ireland in from China. Anyway, customs ended up stopping all of that. Um, wasn't I picked for the jury duty when it went to court and I had actually bought a TV from him before the raid uh, the stories my grandmother used to cut up pieces of spare lino in the shape of 50p pieces she was a dab at it and she put it in the gas meter it always worked said Tony in Douglas that's it out of time have a good day